Thursday, April the 22nd, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. You know, we're coming up on uh, 200 episodes now. And <laughs> we're not talking like 200 episodes where we've got like 20 minute or 30 minute episodes. Uh, these last like 100, 150, we're talking three, four, sometimes almost five-hour episodes. So a pretty cool milestone for uh, the show. And a big thank you to everyone out there who tunes in to each and every episode. On this episode, we'll uh, talk a little Super League, a little baseball news. Then we are going to have a lot of NBA. We're going to get into the Lakers with Alex Regla. We're going to talk all about the return of Anthony Davis and the success that the Lakers have had as a team without LeBron and AD for an extended period of time. We get into NBA, who's hot, who's not, with Eric bouncing all around the league, talking about all the major injuries right now in the NBA. Kevin Durant had a setback. Uh, James Harden had a setback. Donovan Mitchell is banged up. Kawhi had a setback. Murray, we know he's out. Trey Young got uh, banged up the other night. So big-time stars with big-time injuries. We're going to get through everything happening in the NBA. Then we get into the horse racing portion of the show. We'll talk about the stable duel lineup. Uh, we'll talk about the stable duel schedule for the uh, the weekend. And then on Friday, we got closing day analysis for Keeneland Friday. I basically go through the full card for Keeneland Friday. Belmont Park opening up this week. So we've got Friday best bets for Belmont. Then we move to Saturday. And you'd figure, you know, the Derby's coming up next week. It's going to be a quiet weekend on That's What G Said for horse racing, right? No, no, no. We're going to get Saturday best bets for Belmont, and we're going to talk about the stakes race there. We're going to get Saturday best bets for Churchill. Their opening day is on Saturday, and we're going to talk about the stakes race there. We're going to go to Santa Anita for Saturday. We're going to give you the best bets there, and we're going to talk about those stakes races on the card at Santa Anita. And then Golden Gate might have the best card all weekend long of any racetrack. They have six stakes races to close out the card. Big fields, you've got races on the synthetic and on the turf, so give a look to Golden Gate. We're going to talk all about that Saturday, uh, late pick six from races 7 through 12, and we close things out with wrestling with Chad Cooper. We're going to go through SmackDown, Raw, uh, NXT on Tuesday, AEW on Wednesday. We talk about some of the uh, the docs on the A&E, Stone Cold documentary, and uh, WWE Most Wanted Treasures on the A&E Network. So we, like always, will really hit it all here on That's What G Said podcast. So uh, a couple things that I wanted to, to get into. Um, I did let I did mention on the, the last episode that we were going to have a, a guest or two to talk about the Super League stuff going on. I'm, I'm still planning on doing that, but this is a really, really um, like f- situation that is in flux. So I want to wait. I think there's supposed to be a big meeting on Friday. Um, we'll see if we can get any more information, and then I'll bring on a guest or two to really break everything down and talk about what happened. As of now, um, Barcelona has not withdrawn from the Super League, but eight of the clubs initially have. All of the six English clubs, as well as Inter Milan and Atletico Madrid. So, uh, the league officials are still saying that the league still exists and that the club is willing to hold talks with UEFA. So, keep in mind that it looked like we had a Super League starting with 12 teams. Now, a bunch of these teams are backing out of it because of the backlash from the players, from their fan bases, and... 
who knows what's going to go down here. Um, looks like Barcelona and Real Madrid are not going to be punished by La Liga, even though they are still remaining in that um, Super League. Uh, Atletico Madrid uh, is the one who withdrew. So I, that that's why I didn't really want to bring someone on quite yet to talk much more than, than that. Because it's just such an... We could have had a whole segment, and then we find out in another hour, another two team or two decided to pull out of the league. So we'll wait a little more over the weekend and see what develops because I think the story is fascinating, and I, I do want to get into it more when we uh, when we have more information and when it seems like it's sort of a more of like a finalized um, situation. Let's get over to baseball. A uh, couple teams I wanted to really discuss. So in the American League East, the Red Sox uh, still up top. They're a couple games ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Red Sox are twelve and seven. The Rays are ten and nine. The Blue Jays are eight and ten. Orioles right behind them, and then the Yankees. They lost again. They are six and eleven right now. And Fangraphs, one of the uh, web websites, the baseball websites that I look at, uh, it's an analytics website. They do their projections before the year, and just because of uh, based on these first. 17 games and for the Yankees and what 19 for the Red Sox the Yankees were supposed to be a much better team than the Red Sox but now they are projected to finish 90 and 72 and the Red Sox are projected to finish 89 and 73 so just a bad couple weeks for the Yankees and a great couple weeks for the Red Sox see that that's the difference right if the Yankees would have struggled but the Red Sox would have just played 500 there wouldn't have been that big of a difference. But you get a Yankees team that played basically as bad as possible, and you get pretty much as good of a start as you could imagine for a Red Sox team. Now, if you would have said through 20 games that they had a two-game lead on uh, everyone else in the division, they've already scored over 100 runs, and their pitching was like middle of the pack. You know, Mike Abadir, who is a good buddy of ours and co-host on the Mike Abadir show, he would have loved to sign up for something like that. So, uh, Boston... Uh, playing well early. Yankees need to turn things around. Over in the American League Central, the Royals still on top, a uh, game and a half ahead of the Chicago White Sox. Indians tied with them, uh, and then uh, the Tigers and the Twins really struggling. So think about that. It, when you look at the American League right now, if you would have said the Yankees are dead last in their division, the Twins are dead last in their division, and then in the West, the Astros are dead last in their division. The Astros are are 1 and 9 in their last 10 games. They're 7 and 10 overall and they are fifth of 5 in the American League West. They're behind the A's, Mariners, Angels and Rangers. They're four games back now of a, of an Oakland A's team. And the Astros, when you look at them, they don't do anything well. You figured this would be a team that would still hit the ball really well and be able to score a lot of runs. They're 11th in batting average, they're 18th in on-base percentage, and then their pitching is not good. 21st in ERA, and 17th in whip. They've lost three straight and nine out of the last 10. Not a great couple weeks for uh, for Houston after a fine start. And how about the, the complete opposite for an Oakland A's team that was, one, what, they started, I think, 1-6, 1-7, and, and, and they've now won 11 straight. They're top five in runs. Uh, they're third in the league in home runs, and they're eighth in OPS, a team that you figured to be much more of a pitching heavy team has been hitting the ball well and that's why they've been succeeding and won 11 games in a row and they have jumped up to take the American League West lead they're a half game ahead of the Seattle Mariners Angels right behind them at 9 and 7 the Rangers are at 9 and 10 and then the Astros at 7 and 10 rounding out that division 
Over in the National League, the Mets are on top of the NL East. They're at seven and six. You have the Phillies right behind them. The Marlins are at eight and nine. The Braves are at eight and ten, playing a little bit better now. And the, and Washington, as they continue to get their full complement of players back, they've started to play a little bit better now. They're seven and nine. So that division will will even out, and like we expected, um, nobody's really playing great there. And you've got five teams that are separated by two games in the uh, in the loss column as far as the uh, the division in the American League or in the National League Central. We have to talk about the Brewers and the their pitching staff. So they've won three games in a row now, and they're seven and three in their last ten. They're up to eleven and seven. They have a game and a half lead over a, a Reds team that's lost three in a row. And the Brewers are succeeding because of their pitching staff. They're third in the league with a two point seven ERA, and there are. They have a two-headed monster, Corbin Burns. He's pitched 24 innings. He has a 0. a .37 ERA and a .3 WHIP. He has 40 strikeouts and zero walks. No walks. Four starts. 40 strikeouts. Ten a game. Brandon Woodruff, 1.96 ERA, .74 WHIP. That is a legitimate one and two. That's a good, good one and two that you're going to have to face. From the Brewers, they're they're a sneaky team. If you have to face them in a playoff series, because those two guys are legit. The the Brewers are ahead of the Reds. The Pirates are actually playing some okay baseball. They're uh, they're nine and ten. The uh, Cubbies are right behind them. The Cubbies are eight and nine. They've won a couple games in a row uh, to at least get sort of respectable. And then the Cardinals rounding out the division. But again, like with the with the NL East, the NL Central is probably going to have a couple teams. Um, you know, battling it out, and you've got all five teams there separated by just three games early on. That three-game margin is the difference between the Dodgers and the Giants. Dodgers, uh, fourteen and four. They were able to split with the Seattle, and now they got a big series coming up with the Padres. A four-game series coming up with the Padres. Another fun one after that really cool three-game series over the weekend. So. The Padres got to be a little careful. Um, I know it's early, we're only through twenty games, but they're ten and ten right now. Uh, they've lost three in a row. It seemed like they had they have a couple of players that are banged up and they're uh, a little bit uh, worn out early on in the season. So a four game set coming up with the Dodgers. You'd think the Pods want to at least split this four game set coming up because you lose three out of four and then you're already well behind the Dodgers. Not like you're you're worried about necessarily just catching them, but um, I don't think I think the Padres are one of the most talented teams in the league. But it's sort of like with the Yankees; you just don't want to get so far behind where you're you're just climbing a mountain here consistently. So uh, the Padres are projected right now to still finish very well with the uh, 93 wins. Um, Fangraphs has the Dodgers projected to win 102, um, and uh, you know a, a tight division in the NL Central looks like it should be uh pretty tight division in the NL East, although the bad start for the Braves has hurt their chances a little bit and has really improved the chances of the Mets there. So we will continue to check in on and take a look in at the MLB each and every episode of That's What G Said, and uh, we can see every few games who's moving up, who is moving down, who's hot, who is uh, someone to maybe throw in on a a fantasy DFS. We'll start talking a little more DFS um, for baseball and some fantasy stuff for baseball once, uh, once we get past Kentucky Derby next week. 
One of the next major holidays coming up is Mother's Day, and uh, a perfect gift for your mother would be a candle from sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com. And when you get this gift for your mom, you can let her know that these are not just a regular candle. These candles are all natural with soy wax. That means they're free from toxins that are found in the paraffin wax that's used by the other leading brands. This all-natural soy wax will actually hold your scent better and burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candle. They're 100% lead-free, cotton wicks, completely natural scents, made in micro-batches, hand-poured to ensure the highest quality, locally sourced, handcrafted in the USA, and they have a ton of different scents available. I mean, anything that you could possibly imagine, over 25 different scents, three different sizes of candles. They give you instructions and details on how to keep your candle clean and how to make sure you get the perfect burn. You want to trim the wick after every burn. You want to make sure you're using the top of the candle to put it out, not blowing it out. Just that way, the uh, the candle will give you the best burn each and every time. Quality packaging, top ingredients, affordable pricing, longer burning candles... You know, when you have your friends, your family members around, your loved ones, your kids, your animals, your pets, you don't want them breathing in toxins from some of those other candles. With these candles, it is better for you, healthier for you, longer burning candles so you get a better bang for your buck. You're helping out a small business right here locally in Southern California. And if you use the promo code GINO, It'll get you 10% off your purchase. So, uh, and also an added bonus for you. That's what G said, listeners, with that 10% off using the promo code G I N O. SarahCandles.com, C E R A Candles.com. A great gift for anyone in your life, or maybe. One of your friends or someone you know is a, a big candle aficionado. Maybe they love candles. Put them on to sarahcandles.com. Have them try one or two. I promise you they will never go back. These things are great. They don't smack you over the face, but they give you a nice strong scent and they are much, much better for you. sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com, promo code G-I-N-O, gets you 10% off your purchase. On to NBA. First, we're going to talk all about the Lakers with Alex Regla. Plenty to talk about there. AD making his return. Lakers uh, performing so well without LeBron, without AD. We go through um, the the real core members of this roster that have helped uh, you know helped hold this uh, you know this really strong positioning for the Lakers right in that five spot right now and still right in the middle of the playoff mix without their two best players. So we go through everything in about a forty minute discussion, talking all about the Lakers. We even do uh, chat a little bit about uh, Vivian and the catfish situation at the very end. Alex Regla joining me to talk Lakers. Very good news today for the Laker fans Recording this on Wednesday, April the 21st And so when we have some good news And we want to talk a little bit of Lakers We have to get to our good buddy Someone who's been joining us for a long time here On That's What G Said Even before that on the Mike Abadie show One of my favorite people when it comes to covering the Lakers Alex Regla Alex, how you doing buddy? I'm doing good Gino, thanks for having me back so uh, great news! You and I recording this uh, Wednesday afternoon. We knew that Anthony Davis was going to be uh, headed back soon, and we find out that he he should be playing on Thursday. Now uh, he went through some some workouts and stuff on Wednesday. I'd imagine it'll it'll all depend on how he feels when he wakes up Thursday morning and how he feels Wednesday night. But uh, great news that he looks like he will be playing. 
in what is a sort of an important um, two game little series they have coming up with the Dallas team that is a couple uh, a couple games behind the Lakers. I think they're four games behind the Lakers. They're in the seventh spot. Lakers are in the fifth. So great news for the Lakers with uh, with AD coming back. Yeah, it's it's felt like it's been. I think it's been over two months now since the last thirty time. games. That's a lot. Um, Gosh. Yeah, it it doesn't feel like it feels like thirty games. It feels like even more than that. Um, yeah. And given the whole roster changing over the offseason, and then even the roster changing a bit during this midseason with the additions of Macklemore and Drummond, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how um, the AD plays with these new guys. And thankfully, he's back now, and he, he gives him about like ten or fourteen games or so before the playoffs to just acclimate himself with this new roster and just getting his conditioning back. That seems like the biggest hurdle. Um, at least uh, according to Frank Vogel, that's left for AD. Sounds like he's fully healthy and stuff, but the conditioning level of not yeah. playing that many games, it's just uh, we'll see how he looks tomorrow. Have to imagine that the first few they said probably around 15 minutes, you know, maybe ramp him up to 20 a little before. He's going to, that first time he goes out there, he's going to, you know, he's going to get a little winded. So they'll probably have to give him a little short spurt or two and, and be careful with him because um, one thing we've seen too, uh, Alex, um, the the rest of the league right now, um, in, in particular the West, and then I guess over in Brooklyn too, there have been a lot of major, major injuries for on some of the top tier contenders. I think even just yesterday on Tuesday it was announced that James Harden had a big setback in uh, with his injury, and then even Kawhi, who had been sort of uh, like nursing an injury for a while, they said is not really doing well, and they're going to reexamine him in a week. That's on top of. Mitchell getting banged up uh, last week Murray is done for the year for sure He's not coming back KD had another setback So um, you throw those guys in the mix with AD and LeBron There's been a lot of top tier talent Missing a lot of games this year Yeah, I think that was something that was a bit overlooked When LeBron and AD first went down Um, There was a lot of chatter that the Lakers You know, without the two guys Would drop all the way to like 10th, 9th, you know Somewhere in that playing tournament uh, area And but again, like you have to take into account this the current pandemic and also the injuries with the shortened off season and stuff like that. So a lot of the games that look like on paper that were really hard to win and stuff like that, like one of those Brooklyn games without uh, Harden, um, th- those become winnable. And yeah. I think the Lakers have been able to stay afloat because of all those injuries. And I, I think just in terms of the standings and where they are in the current landscape of the NBA. I think all things considered, I think they they have to feel pretty good about where they are. Oh, Alex, I mean, one thing when you and I talked, um, and and we we did like the 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 recap after they won it all last year. One, I think the thing that you said you were going to remember the most was the defense. Yeah, from from last year, and I think we have to make sure to to really point out again this year that this is a team that. Throughout the entire season And their 58 games played In those 58 games where Anthony Davis Has only played a total of 23 He's missed 30 in a row now And he's and LeBron's only played 41 So the two of them have only combined For 64 games <laughs> Total Total between the two of them This has been the number one defense And even more impressive than that Alex, post All-Star break With those two guys missing With Kuzma getting banged up some games Gasol getting banged up some games THT was suspended a game or two Uh, Wes Matthews, I mean everybody Has had some Small issues, except for Montrez He's been the only one that's played every game 
And they've got the number two defensive rating since the All-Star break <laughs> They're higher than the Jazz, the Bucks, the Clippers, the Suns, the Heat The only team better than them have been the 76ers That's incredible It, it is, and I know I know Frank Vogel's not going to get a lot of Coach of the Year discussion Uh and I, I they, again, like there's a lot of teams and a lot of coaches doing really well this year. But like you just outlined, like for the Lakers to not only maintain that defense, but to also do so, like you said, with all those injuries, all the guys shuffling in and out of starting lineups, like as someone who does like some of the pregame media calls now and kind of gets the injury updates before the game. <laughs> it's it's funny. It's it's funny because each game we're waiting there to see like who's in, who's out and because every game. It's like there's three that are questionable, two that might be probable, two doubtful. You know, they're like all in the different tiers what? of like of if they will play or not. And um uh it's just one thing I I don't think people realize. I sure didn't realize how good of a coach Frank Vogel was before he came here. Because, you know, we got to remember where it was We were in a situation where he wasn't exactly the first choice We're kind of wondering, is this the guy that's, you know Is he just sort of like an, an okay choice But um, he was coming off of an Orlando um, situation that just was not good And a lot of people, I think, really held it a lot um, Really held it against him and, and kind of on his resume And when you look back at what this guy did with Indiana And with teams that were undermanned a lot of the time And how consistent and how good they were And how much they really overachieved yeah. that's, that's what he did this year with this team minus LeBron and AD Because man this was a completely Different year than last year Where the Lakers biggest I think positive for them Was their continuity They seemed like they were always they Their core group of guys did not miss a whole lot of time That's a great point Like just comparing this year versus last year Like last year the Lakers Were, were extremely fortunate to be healthy There was no yeah. major injuries uh, Outside of the pandemic Hitting like Everyone played together, Rondo, Bradley, and then obviously when the bubble happened, like they had to shuffle things around. But just compared to this year and like the offseason happening, Fogels had a completely new backcourt rotation with Dennis Schroeder and THT kind of joining the rotation this year. Um, a completely different front court in terms of defensive versatility. You have a guy like Gasol, a guy like Harrell, who are both have like strengths, obvious strengths, but also have their own limitations at times. Versus guys like Dwight and McGee, and like you said, no, ha- not having AD and LeBron for long stretches of the year. Like this is an uh, incredible job from Bogle and the coaching staff to not only get that buy-in from these guys, but to to kind of see it happen on the court still. Like it's been remarkable. Because what they've been able to do, what's nice is that when you play defense like they do every single night, you keep yourself in games. And what what this group of players has done is um, they've all sort of taken turns having really good stretches and and helping the Lakers win some of these games that we may not have thought they were going to win. This is the group of guys the the three through eight, and actually for the Lakers it's more like a three through twelve, you know, yeah. even or thirteen when you look at their depth. But that and that's the group that's like much maligned. You know, like when you, when you hear people talk about it, even with some of the additions that they ha- they brought in this year with guys like Schroeder and Montrez, they really have helped carry the load. Because if it weren't for them, then things would have been a lot different. I, um, and and these guys get like a lot of crap, you know, to from the mainstream media. And you hear people talk about the Lakers and how okay, yeah, it's LeBron and AD, and then everybody else. Well, I mean, that's not been the case. I, I got like little little tidbits for almost you know. 
the the major guys who have stepped up. I mean, starting with Schroeder, I think we have to because mm-hmm. no LeBron in there. That has put so much pressure on him just because of the way this team is built. They don't really have a ton of ball handlers, you know. They they got a couple guys that can get their own shot, and THT has sort of taken over a lot more responsibility handling the ball. Um, that's not really Caruso's strength. He gets a little sloppy there. He's more of like a doing the other things off guard. So there has been a lot of pressure on Schroeder. And in twenty five, his last twenty five games, he has shot. 37% from three, 86% from the free throw line, 16.8 points a game, 6.8 assists, uh, and a two to one assist to turnover ratio. Uh, that's the uh, big one. That's huh. the key, right? Not the, the turnovers, one and a half steals and, and uh, almost three and a half rebounds. He has been really, really good, and he's earning some money right now. <laughs> I know. He's doing himself a big favor here with how he's played. Uh, yeah, and not just that, but again, uh, point of attack defense. Uh, his defense has been. Super impressive this year. That was I didn't think he I, was this good on defense. I, I had no idea. Did I. I I don't think anybody on the Lakers side of things, in terms of the people who covered the team, thought he was going to be this good immediately. He's kind of taken over that Avery Bradley role where he's picking up guys full court. He's he plays really tough defense in the post for someone his size. Um, and he's another guy. Like talk about injuries. He's beat up right now. Like he hurt oh, his man. back against Brooklyn. He's been dealing with a right foot infection, which just sounds horrible. Um, so again, he's a guy who's playing through the pain. Uh, he's, and again, just going back to that first Utah game, he was enormous down the stretch in fourth time in uh, fourth quarter and overtime. And yeah, like you said, he's proving to be at least a, a really, really reliable starting point guard in the NBA. And that's something the Lakers like outside of LeBron haven't really been fortunate enough to have in like quite some time. And you know what, just a couple more things for him Because like you said, this could be a, Think about where he is, he's got a contract Coming up, a big one, right? Like, And he's dealing with these injuries right now He could very easily say Hey, I'm banged up, I need to take some time off He understands where they have been Right now, trying to stay afloat Knowing that AD and LeBron are coming back And how important he is to Setting everything up for this team Right now, and he has really Sacrificed his body And I gotta say, you know Right when he came in, he rubbed me a little the wrong way and a few other people. He's like, I'm not coming off the bench. You know, I'm not doing that. And then he kind of rewarded it. And he just said, you know what? I just, I want to get, I want to do really well. I want to play. I want to win. And I think I can help this team the most by starting. And uh, there have been some times where him and LeBron were there. And you wondered, they sort of staggered them pretty well anyways. And and, and sort of kind of with their, did Vogel did a pretty good job keeping them, um, like one of them on the floor at most times. But just overall, as a player, man, he, he's he really battles, and he's one of those players that you like having on your team because I very I never worry about a lack of effort with uh, with Schroeder. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to phrase it. Like I, he definitely has fight, and I think that's mm-hmm. something that's been shown again through the injuries. Like he was diving for a loose ball last game and, on the uh, back, like on right the on back. the back. Yeah, like, yeah, like oh, that's man. that's not a player who's. You can kind of tell which players, you know, are kind of like with it or not with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's definitely a guy like, again, he can drive you crazy with the turnovers. He has some of the like. It's a little sloppy. The it, the in the, like entrance passes sometimes oh, just gosh. trying to just like get a ball down to the big man or like, uh, you know, you worry. Sometimes he'll the, the shooting, he's not necessarily like a pure shooter. He had a, he had a good year last year, but he's. You know, he's, you know, usually like a low 30s, but he's had a really good stretch again right now. And um, 
yeah, he deserves a lot of praise because he has really helped the Lakers stay afloat. And um, you know, everyone has has really chipped in. Markeef, for example, you know, yeah. he was a guy who was completely out of the rotation. And I mean, that that's got to be frustrating for someone who. Took less money and probably had options to go a couple other places and said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to come back to the Lakers. This guy was starting games in the finals for us last year. Yeah. <laughs> again, it speaks to the player. Like, uh, like you said, he took the veterans minimum to come back. He even mentioned, like, uh, recently that, you know, with him and his agent, that the goal was to try to get a little more money in the offseason after his strong playoff. Like, his brother got 16 mil a year. Yeah. I think, like a 60 plus million for four with the Clips. Yeah, yeah, and Markeith isn't the same cal. Obviously, not the same no. caliber players, Marcus. But he's pr- again, like you said, if any player who can not only like be in part of a rotation but start a playoff game is a really valuable NBA player. And for the Lakers to get him on a minimum deal, and for him to accept this reduced role, and fortunately they have him. And while AD's out, he's been kind of one of their go-to guys on offense. When yeah. He's got it, it, some it, versatility offensively, you know. He he's he can he's got a little bit of moves one on one, and then the shooting, like the the thing with the Lakers, what's been really nice for uh, this this stretch is like he's shooting thirty six percent from three. That's not anything more than really what you need from him because he gets a lot of open looks and he's getting six rebounds a game. It's just those are things that you would need from whoever's getting those minutes, and he's he's giving you really nice production. Yeah, again, like you said, any guy who can shoot over average, you know, average two point rate is welcome on this team. And he's been, like you said, I thought he's been showing a lot of versatility, versatility, like you said, like in the post, as an ISO scorer, as a guy who's got a nice little fadeaway game in the post and everything like that. Like he's doing what you wanted him to do. And I think that goes for a lot of guys when AD and LeBron have been out. I think for the last couple of weeks, it feels like uh, this particular guy has gotten a little bit tired. And I think it might have been because he's the only one who's played in every game this year. But for a stretch of 18 games from February the 20th to March the 31st, Montrez was averaging almost 19 points a game, almost eight rebounds a game, and shooting 62% from yeah. the field. And that's kind of what... Now and now things have been a little different for him too. Drummond's come in. Um, some games he doesn't quite get as much run, but he's looked a little tired. But he helped carry us again for you know basically like a month's worth of games where we really needed someone to get fifteen plus points a game. Yeah, I thought that the first like fifty percent of the season of Montres Harrell was he he was playing some really underrated basketball. Like you yeah. said, his numbers were. Ridiculous, and he's posting career highs in a lot of things. And um, yeah, I thought I thought people were kind of unfairly judging him aesthetically, at least to guy mm-hmm. like Dwight or McGee because he doesn't catch lobs, but he just does things in different ways than those yeah. two guys. And again, I, I think you're bringing up a good point. I think that fatigue factor definitely might be a thing. Um, he plays really physically, like that wears down on your body mm-hmm. after a while, especially when you kind of go from bench to starter to bench. And when you become like the key guy, the other defense has a lot to more focal. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I, I, it'll be interesting. I think he's a guy who's going to benefit a ton from when LeBron gets back. Like, just, absolutely. Those two had a really fantastic two man game going when uh, LeBron was healthy. So it'll be interesting to see how the entire front court reacts to AD coming back. We're continuing on with uh, some of the the guys who really helped contri- contribute uh, on the Lakers through this uh, stretch, and I, I think the the one who has been maybe the most consistent, which is pretty funny. And now I think he he may seem like he's had a 
a stretch where I think he's been a little banged up the last week or so, and he's he's kind of been a little sloppy sometimes turning the ball over as of late too. But um, the growth with Kuzma, you know, th- this year in particular, and now what he's able to do defensively and give you real consistency there. His last thirty games, uh, over fifteen points a game, over seven rebounds a game, over two assists for game uh, a game, and he's shooting like thirty four percent from three. We'd probably want a little bit better than that, but you know what? At he shoots a pretty high clip. So if he's in that like 34 to 36 range, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. I think the volume, right? Like if he's shooting mm-hmm. enough of the volume and he's making about league average, that's totally fine. And it does it does benefit the team just shooting the, like in terms of spacing and how defenses have to guard a player. But yeah, I think Kuzma's rebounding in particular this season has been amazing compared to like his first few years in the league. That's definitely been an area where you can see a drastic improvement, like you said, and um, his defense continues to impress me. Like this isn't the same guy who was targeted on defense his rookie and second year. Like no. this guy was lost on defense for those first two years, and now he's one of the key guys, a key rotation players. When in terms of defense and how the team kind of moves, like he's a big, he's a big tall guy. You he kind of forget how big he is, you know? Yeah. I- because he kind of plays more like a guardish kind of, you know, not like he doesn't really have that much handles, but he sort of plays sort of like a two-ish kind of guard, a three. But you forget that this guy's big, and he's just he's such a completely different player than he was that first year. It's like it's it's unbelievable to see the growth and what he sacrificed and what he's been willing to do. Because you know, like it w- it would have been very easy for Kyle Kuzma to be the type of player that's just like could go to some bad team. And score 20 points and then just kind of get lost Like a lot of players are Become that in the NBA You know it's funny because I, I mentioned this on a show yesterday and, and this I mean just look at his Contract also right like he took a pretty Team friendly contract yeah. to stay with the team And um but yeah Who's been kind of the most vocal guy In terms of wanting AD back It's been Kuz yeah. like he's he kind of Joked that like AD needs to get back Here as soon as possible <laughs> and uh <laughs> And, and, but that speaks like if AD comes back, who loses their starting spot? It's Kuzma. And, Kuzma's and back on the bench. Yeah. yeah. So that that just speaks to the player and the person he's kind of grown into. And again, I just continue to be impressed by his his development. Yep, completely. One one guy who's really developing well since March the fifteenth in nineteen games. He's averaging uh, over twelve points a game, three and a half rebounds, the three and a half assists over a steal. One thing we gotta get him improving on a little bit is the three point percentage. He's still under thirty, but uh, he he was uh, he was like zero for for a stretch of of, of games where he was not yeah. in anything. THT is is so confident right now And that's I think one of the things that you sort of see with him It's the confidence He'll have a game or two where he starts to really feel it And then you could see a game or two where He kind of gets lost on defense He gets a little bit picked on And then he starts to turn the ball over He's like not in the spot But he is This is probably the best stretch of basketball He's ever played in, in these last you know you know Almost 20 games it's funny because I'm working on something on THT and uh, like I spent <laughs> most of the morning like just watching almost every one of his like field goal attempts on the year. And yeah, obviously he has his warts. He gets tunnel vision at times. He gets sloppy with the ball. And like you said, he gets he gets back cut on defense. He gets targeted on defense. And that's all kind of like part of being a 20-year-old in the NBA. But at the same time, how many 20-year-olds are a key rotation player on a championship team. Like this is insane. It is. He he like and and the, like we need him, have needed him oh, to yeah. 
just come in and be another ball handler and spell because, like we said, um, that's just not a strength of Caruso's. And the way the rest of this roster is built, it's like Schroeder and it's LeBron that do all of the ball handling. And if one of those guys isn't there when when the other one needs a few minutes off the bench uh, to to get to the bench, Tht has just like he has grown. You know, it's funny because he sort of reminds me of like a. Of like how it was at the very beginning with Kuzma um, Where you sort of are like You kind of hear in these stories about how he is And you're seeing him in like You know in, in like preseason stuff Or summer league games or games that don't really matter that much And you're like is this for real Like is this guy going to be able to really help this team And then Kuzma was like firing him up right away And THT every time he's gotten on the floor He has never one time seemed like the moment was too big for him Yeah He'll, He'll in fact have times where it's like, oh, THT is going a little too much right now. But he never feels like he doesn't, like he thinks he belongs. Yeah. And again, we could see that like Frank Vogel threw him out in the playoffs last year, like <laughs> in some the Houston random series. minutes to um, play a little Harden, to kind of be like a nuisance on Harden, you know? And again, like how many young guys can just walk into there and be ready? And Frank Vogel's been his biggest fan. Like every time Vogel's had a chance to answer a question about THT, he glows about his progress and yeah. how much the team loves him and how special of a player they think he is. And didn't yeah, like, him. I, uh, yeah, know? they didn't trade him. And I think that's a big sign of commitment and like uh, that they trust his growth and they trust the player they think he can be. And like you said, every like game or so, if you just watch, there's at least one or two plays where he makes like going to the rim where your jaw drops. Like this is insane footwork, insane ability in the pick and roll to snake a pick and roll, to put a guy in jail to like finish like with the right hand to spin like he has all this kind of craft already for a guy who hasn't played what like less than 50 NBA games to his career like he's doing fantastic he he hasn't even learned like his body yet you know like he kind of has because he takes advantage of some things you know but like when when some of the vets show him like how much of an advantage he has because of those long arms and just like how aggressive he is this dude's going to be making some really crafty shots over the next few years you know he's it, already, yeah, yeah it reminds me of like early ingram like like first yeah. second year ingram with his length so and he did it yeah the way difference is like tht knows he's strong at the same time so he's just yeah. like Right. Guys, when he drives, Ingram would kind of like catch himself off guard sometimes. Yeah. Like he would do it and be like, oh my gosh, like I can just kind of float that in like that or like hook that over, you know, because his arms are so long. And um, yeah, just like a small side note and before we finish up on the last couple of guys I wanted to hit, how cool I- I'm so happy to see. Ingram doing well, Clarkson doing well, and especially Julius, man, yeah. Randall, like all these guys. D'Angelo struggled a little bit this year. He's he's been hurt, but the three of them have all been all stars now. And Clarkson is probably going to be the sixth man of the year this year. Like they all really found a nice home, and they all really kind of found the roles that we saw flashes of from them when they were young. I'm so happy for all of those guys. Yeah, like having watched all those guys, like in the summer league to the preseason to like early season promise like they've it's been really cool to watch from afar and especially julius like i i'm always gonna have a soft spot for julius Me too. i think he was like one of the first young guys who have like okay i think this guy can be something and then we're always like oh what if he can develop a jump shot and like he's shooting around 40 percent from three this year and he's he like, got in like yeah he, he was yeah was unlucky right off the bat with the injury yeah. and then him and luke just never got along very well right like we were always wondering like why is he not playing more like why is he coming out of games sometimes and like he would he was a always a bull 
Um, oh yeah. I I was even like the other day I was looking up because when he was playing so well I was like looking up some of my old Julius Randall tweets and it was like I I was finding ones where I I was like man Julius is going right at AD I love that you know yeah. like I was just ha- like he was never never um scared of going at like a Gobert or a bigger guy and uh, he found advantage he's passing the ball better so um. Yeah, massive shout to all of them. Tibbs has done a great job over there. Uh, a couple more things I want to finish up with Alex uh, Regla with. Um, a guy who was also kind of um, the fan base really... Um, I-, I was kind of disappointed in, in the response to uh, Mark Gasol early on this year. Um, I just don't think enough people would kind of understand some of the intricacies of his game. Yeah, he doesn't get a lot of rebounds, but he'll box somebody out and kind of give him a little hip and make sure that Kuzma gets a rebound, you know, or, or somebody else will. Um and since uh, uh, the beginning of February, so like his last 21 games, he shot 43% from three and a uh, couple assists a game over a block, uh, 1.2 block a game and uh, almost four rebounds. So this is a guy that doesn't play a lot, but those are the kind of numbers that you'd want from him. And he gives you an entirely different dimension for a big man who can really help stretch the floor. He's played in big games. He's always just kind of in the right spot. And he does seem like he got a little extra motivated with Drummond coming in recently, and he's played maybe a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, yeah, and I, I exactly. Um, he kind of reminds me in a way how some of the fans viewed Lonzo, because yep. like he does things that, again, they don't show up exactly in the box score. He's kind of the connector of the offense. If he's not picking up the assist, he's setting the screen, or he's making the extra pass that becomes the assist. Um and again, it, it has to be hard for a guy who's been the number one option of a team for so long. And then going to Toronto being like the huge vocal point of the offense, like everything, although again, he wasn't scoring or getting a ton of the assist, a lot of the offense for the Raptors was run through Gasol, mm-hmm. like in the high post. And he was just finding cutters. He was uh, just uh, dragging the opposing centers out of the paint. Like we saw the the big difference when Drummond's in there against Gobert, but Gobert could just kind of hover back in the paint and just kind of block any shot that comes his way. Um, the value of a guy like Gasol is probably going to come in the playoffs when he's thrown out there, especially, in, again, especially in a Utah series. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned, the Gobert, that's something Vogel has said specifically as well, that Gasol is going to be super useful if they play a team like Utah later on. Um, I can see the same thing with a guy like Embiid. He's had a lot of success defensively against yep. Embiid. So this is a guy, again, who uh, he doesn't have the – the most fans of in terms of the Lakers fan base, but he's going to be super useful in the playoffs as like a matchup dependent guy. He's so nice to have as another option here. Um, A couple of the final two guys I wanted to talk about who have been really, really just like constants and um, uh, KCP, um, you know, up and down the, the journey that he's had as a Laker, you know, has been pretty incredible. But like you look at some of the things that KCP, like where he's starting to stack up and like all time threes and stuff. Yeah. It's funny, you know, like him and like Kuzma are like really like moving up in the leaderboard and like points and then and, and threes and stuff like that. Uh, and KCP is on a really nice stretch again right now, Alex, uh, in his 10 April games, just under 14 points a game, 49 percent from three. <laughs> Um, and on, on 6.3 attempts too, and, and he's, he's gotten back to where he's not being hesitant at all. He's, he's just firing away. And even the other numbers for KCP, when you look at when he struggles, he's a guy that gets like, he struggles a little bit on both sides of the court. Like if yeah. he's not at least hitting a couple shots, 
It's like he's just not as engaged Right now he's getting almost four rebounds a game He's getting over two assists a game And he's getting a steal a game Like those are really solid numbers for KCP Yeah yeah he's definitely a guy who you can tell Like a lot of his energy and effort levels Dictated if the shots are falling And you can tell he's another guy Where confidence is just enormous In terms of how he performs And how, how aggressive he is out there Because when he was struggling for that stretch For like a month or two he would he would turn down shots. He would catch it, hesitate, and then maybe shoot or just mm-hmm. pass out of it. And that's just not helping the team. Um, so again, it's been super beneficial for him to kind of catch fire again because remember to start the year he was on fire. To he start was the, the best season. shooter in the league. I think he yeah. had the highest him in like him and the next guy that I'm going to talk about Caruso. <laughs> the last uh, 17 games for Caruso, 46 percent from three, yeah. uh, three rebounds, um, almost three assists a game, and uh, 1.3 steals a game. So doing the Caruso things, but he just he looks so much more confident. Like he's taking some contested threes sometimes that like I hadn't really seen from him before, or threes with guys really closing out, which I kind of like because I think he understands in this. Group of the Lakers without AD without LeBron they needed whoever was On the court to be a little bit more Offensive or at least more of a threat Yeah and he's another Guy where it's like oh man if he can Just be like a 35 to 37 Three point shooter like the Defense is great he makes he's Not the best ball handler he's not the best Lead ball handler in the pick and roll But he he has really good vision so If he can just shoot and catch and cut Like he's great and he's done that this year And um Again, it's really staggering how how well he shot the ball, and I think he's making better reads on offense in terms of his passes. He's making these like really impressive skip passes now. His, um, I, I just think overall, like you said, I think the confidence level for Crusoe is an all time high. So for when LeBron and AD get back, I think there's going to be a lot of guys, Shooter, KCP, Caruso, who are really going to like are hitting their stride once when those two guys get back. So we just went through Markeith Schroeder. Montrez, Kuzma, KCP, THT, Gasol, and Caruso That's eight legitimate guys that are rotation players That we've all talked about having really good stretches Or like solid seasons And now we're going to add Anthony Davis and LeBron Back to that, hopefully healthy And we're not even mentioning a Drummond Who just came into the mix A Wes Matthews and a Ben McLemore Who really give you options Like that's actually 13 McKinney has played Like McKinney has played Really good ball like and he's Looked confident just shooting the ball and like He thinks he belongs on the court So this team um, Is now knock on wood um, We I just as a Fan I want to see him stay healthy And I think if if we have LeBron And AD coming healthy back into the playoffs Now um, looking around And seeing the rest of the league as we May be getting healthier They're seeming like they're getting A little bit more banged up And um, I, I mean, this is not a bad spot to be in right now, Alex. We we very easily, um, if some of these guys would have struggled and not stepped up, um, we could have lost a, a lot of games and we could have been dropped all the way down. But these guys are pros, and they it sort of felt like they all understood, like, hey, we got this is this is going to be a short time thing, right? We we need to play a little bit better. We need to do a little bit more. There were a few games here there where uh, they were just outmanned. They just had no shot okay. or a game where it's like, oh, they're trying to do a little too much today. And every t- it's like three or four times in a row down the, the court, it's a turnover and a, and a kick out of bounds or a bumble. But they um, the effort on the defensive end was always freaking there with this team. And uh, I've been 
so proud like as a fan and just really impressed with Vogel because they uh, they battled and they're in a great spot right now sitting in the five spot. Yeah, this team could easily fold it. Like once you lose your two stars and everything, um you're tired, and, you know. Yeah, and like you said other key guys in the lineup were always out and they still found a way to win, be competitive. There's only been a few games where they've just been blown out and I thought there's going to be more than that and that just speaks to how again how well Vogel's coached the team, prepared them engage them make sure that they buy in to think they have a chance to win every night and that's something Montrez specifically even said like we're not going to just try to tread water we've been trying with these games and you're right they've he basically been that. around 500 and that's yeah. and Ma- Markeith is another one too right yeah. he's very like what do you mean we're not gonna you know like we understand like some of those teams like he even said yeah like Utah will beat us but that's going to be different when it's the playoffs you know or he mm-hmm. says like like we can win some of these games and um and so right now, when we take a look at the, the Western Conference, um, the key this year is there is that play-in tournament for the teams that finish 7 through 10. So for any team, really, they want to finish in the top 6. That means that will guarantee you a spot in the playoffs and a playoff series. You don't want to finish 7th, and then you have to worry about playing your way in. So for the Lakers right now, they um they got a little bit of help from our uh, our buddies, the Clippers, last <laughs> night. <laughs> the uh, The Clippers ended up beating the Trailblazers. So the Lakers are in the 5 spot. Uh, Jazz are one, Phoenix Suns two, Clippers three, Nuggets four, Lakers five, Portland six. Right now, the Lakers, if the season were to end, they'd play Denver. And and based on sort of the standings, like that, that seems like it's probably one of the more likely situations. The Lakers and Denver in the four five. We know a Denver team that uh, was really good in the playoffs. We ran into them last year. They beat the they beat the Clippers. They added Aaron Gordon, who um, has given them an, an, yeah. another dimension, somebody who can help like defend wings and stuff. But um, their big loss was recent with the uh, you know the loss of of Murray. I think from what he was able to do at the guard position, and when when Jokic is you know not not having an unbelievably Jokic type night, when Murray was able to do that last year, I think they're going to be. They're going to be in, in 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 pretty tough trying to beat some of the other heavyweights in the West without him, you know, playing shorthanded. Yeah, it looks like just based on just the numbers in terms of the the standings, it looks like the the Nuggets Lakers in some type of uh, format, like either if the Lakers jump to four or not, like looks like that'd be the likely first round. Um, and like you said, I thought that was going to be a really good series if Murray would be healthy because they've been playing really well with Gordon yeah. and stuff like that. And Jokic, again, he's probably going to be the MVP this yeah. season, how well Should he's be. played. So, uh, And those two, even like the Lakers did as good of a job as you can in terms of trying to stop them in the playoffs, and they still put up numbers. So that's going to be a fun matchup. I, again, I think the Lakers, like they feel pretty confident in terms of how they stack themselves up against others in the West. I think... Outside of maybe the Clippers, uh, yeah, it's it feels like the Lakers are going to have the clear advantage against any team going forward uh-huh. here. I think so too, and you know, a Clippers team who uh, I think they they would like to avoid each other. What would be nice is if if you know if it like stopped or if it was close to where it was right now, the Clippers ended up in the three, the Lakers ended up in on the five. They're on the opposite sides of the bracket, yeah. and we we could possibly get that conference final series that we've always dreamed of. You know, with, which would be Lakers Clippers. That would be great. Um, I think the Lakers would feel very confident. Um, you know, going into series against the Nuggets or the Jazz or the Suns, even. You know, they've yeah. all had very good years, but um, a healthy LeBron, a healthy AD, um, a a really deep team that we've said we've. Have a, like a, so many options now at so many different positions uh, w- when when this team is is full. So I'm 
I'm, I'm really happy about where they sit And a couple big games coming up with Dallas I think you just probably don't want to lose both of those games yeah. I feel like you kind of split those two And you're probably uh, you're going to be sitting in a good spot With what, like, this is only 14 games left? That's yeah. the thing Yeah, at, at, at least, like, I don't, we, we haven't heard too much of LeBron We've heard he's getting some light work in And he's making progress But at least for AD, he's going to get a good solid What, 10, 14 games to kind of ramp mm-hmm. up And hopefully LeBron can join him In about five or six games or so So Again, all things considered, it looked kind of bleak there for a second when those two guys went down. The injuries seemed really severe when they were first reported. Um, for them to be in the five seed and can easily still move up, like Denver yeah. without Murray, they can, I mean, they play really well, but who knows if they drop off a bit. Clippers mm-hmm. without Kawhi for yep. I don't know how long. Like, the Lakers can still improve their standing here and get both their guys back. So, again, all things considered, uh, they have to feel really happy with where they are. Okay, so uh, before I let you go, Alex, um, the Lakers Twitter was pretty crazy the last couple of nights. There was just uh, a lot going on. <laughs> I think it shows um, the, the the Lakers as a as an entity in their fan base are are quite um, like a, a a huge huge group of people. And this this story about like catfishing going on on Lakers Twitter, this thing got. Picked up all over the place It was on radio and in like articles Being written I had friends that Like sent me clips or like Asking me about this all over the Place just a a few seconds On on what it was like the last couple days With all this stuff in Lakers Twitter huh It's it's funny because like as you Mentioned I like I've been kind of doing Like research for a Taylor Horn Tucker piece so I've been pulling a lot of clips And I've been tweeting them out And it's just <laughs> funny the contrast between like what I'm Tweeting out and I just see everyone Everybody else, else. <laughs> Like um, Yeah it's been crazy like I, I've caught up With what's gone down and stuff And like you said I think Lakers Twitter As just like a Fan base as like a community is Just absurd and how quickly This spread like it you is. said it's been It's on ESPN on the radio um, There's articles about it in different News outlets like Uh it's probably a good reminder and lesson to kind of be wary of who you interact with online and stuff, yep. but yeah, it's absurd. It is. It is just some, it just a one, a never a dull moment with Lakers Twitter, right? Oh. Just never a dull moment there. So, uh, Alex, man, I always enjoy talking to you so much. Uh, we get an opportunity uh, every now and then to, to catch up and talk Lakers, but let us know what, uh, what are you working on right now? You said you have something coming up on THT. Let everybody know where can we find a lot of your work, your plug, give us your plugs, everything uh, that you have happening. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I have something on THT that should be out tomorrow morning. And it's like the first per- the first piece I've written over two months because I've just been swamped with like a new house and just work. Family man crazy. coming up too. Yeah, you know, yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you guys, if you want to read that, I have a newsletter. It's called throwdowns.substack.com. That's where you can find it. It's totally free. Um, if you subscribe, it just goes right to your email when it comes out. And then if you want to find any of my tweets, it's Alex M. Regla. It's my Twitter. Alex, man, love. Knock on wood. Um, if if we lose to somebody and they beat us and they are better than us, I'll always say it. It's just we always want to we'll, we'll woulda coulda shoulda if somebody's hurt or if if Le- if it wasn't LeBron or AD. Who knows how long LeBron has? So I hope we get at least a, another an, another opportunity with our full team. And if we lose to a a Clippers, a Utah, a Phoenix, or whoever, Denver, if they beat us, they deserve to win and they win. But let's hope. Knock on wood. Everyone stays healthy. That's the goal. Like, hey, if we're fully healthy and we lose, like, hey, you just got to tip your cap to the other team. Yep. I just want to yep. see this team fully healthy 
going into the playoffs because that was really fun last year. Alex Regla, make sure to give him a follow there on social media. Check out uh, Throwdowns, and he'll have that uh, piece on THT coming out on Thursday morning. So we'll get some more info on one of the the real big contributors to the Laker and a a future big piece of what the Lakers are building moving forward. Alex, man, thank you so much, buddy. Uh, Looking forward to seeing AD back on the court, hopefully Thursday. Thanks, Gino. Go give Alex a follow That uh, piece he was talking about on uh, THT is out He uh, I, I retweeted it earlier today He posted it on his social media So you can get even more great info And specifically about uh, THT there We're going to give you some great info About Cindy Carava Full service realtor Because one of the most stressful events in life Is moving And all the, the process that goes into relocating All the different factors you have to worry about Cindy will make your life so much easier Her website Website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com Now as a full service realtor That means she can help you out in many different ways Selling, purchasing, leasing She can help you if you just need you know, to find a vendor Like a handyman, a painter, a landscaper, a gardener People that she's used in her own homes She can help getting you pre-approved for a loan And connect you to lenders that she's worked closely with And can highly recommend she covers all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe. Maybe you're just curious to see how much your home is worth. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. You can find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow. But CindyCarava.com, that's the easiest way. You'll get all the information there. Maybe you're someone who lives outside of the state of California. You just don't really have anyone in the neighborhood or in the area that you trust that's a realtor Let Cindy know She has connections everywhere She'd be very happy to help you find someone that she knows, that she trusts, that will do a great job for you CindyCarava.com C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com All the listings, everything you need there CindyCarava.com Okay, we move along to uh, NBA. Who's hot, who's not with Eric. Now we bounce all around the league and uh, talk about all the teams who are struggling, positives, negatives. I mean, we hit basically every team uh, uh, in the league and uh, and some thoughts on, on most of them here on NBA. Who's hot, who's not with ETOF 2-1 Sports. NBA. Who's hot, who's not, who's hot, who's not. It is that time of the week, NBA who's hot, who's not, here on That's What G Said, Eric, Etoff 2-1 Sports, joining me like he does each and every week, and uh, Eric, we have uh, a lot to discuss this week, in particular because of uh, a ton of injury news, so just as a heads up for everyone out there that's listening, we are recording this one on Wednesday evening, Uh, it is uh, April the 21st here, so we're right around the start of a lot of the Wednesday night basketball games, so anything that we talk about um, is probably like leading into the Wednesday, Thursday games, but Big time injuries uh, around the league um, We know that Durant had a, a an injury recently again Right after coming back He's only played 24 games Kawhi now with an injury Harden had a uh, You know was going backwards on his timeline Mitchell has a, an injury We know Murray's out for the year So some really really key players I mean we're talking about LeBron and AD Just coming back soon But this is like it feels like the the top tier players on really good teams this year are much more banged up than normal. 
And Harden's a guy that likes to play too. He's not one of these guys that's just he doesn't miss a lot of games. Out. So I mean, for him to like sit out, that's pretty big. And when I was driving it, driving today, I heard this interesting thing: how no team has won an NBA championship when their top three scorers, so that would be Durant, Harden, and Irving, each one of them has missed ten games during a season. Like wow. that has never happened before. So I mean. The Nets are going to be up against it because they've only played seven games like together. And for me, I mean, I'm not the biggest Kyrie guy in the world. No. I would rather lose Kyrie than lose um, either of the other than two. Lose Harden. You know yeah. what I mean? Than than lose Harden. And this whole thing with Durant, like how real? Like I get it. You know, you're hurt and everything. But is this going to be a thing in the playoffs where like, oh, you know, I kind of felt a twitch. I'm coming out. You know what I mean? Like how is yes. this going to affect him? like moving forward i it's just the nets are in a tough spot and i never i didn't think the hiring of nash was like that great of a hire but you kind with all the shit that's going on there you kind of have to give it to them for kind of keeping the ship afloat and they, um, they've done way better than i expected it's just now is going to be the time where I, I wouldn't be shocked like you know, if they end up in a two spot or a three spot, which is where they'll end up, either two or three. I mean, heck, they could still be the one, uh, realistically. But like, I don't know, like if 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 like a Miami or a Boston or a Knicks were in the seven spot, um, or, you know, or they had a matchup with one of those teams, that's probably not the easiest first round matchup for them. Uh, maybe a Hornets team that's getting Lamelo back and they were healthy, they'd be sort of pesky. So I don't know how easy it's going to be for them. It's going to be tough. And I mean, like, the guy that's playing the best, oh, my God, what game was it? It was a game earlier in the week. It wasn't the game against the Pelicans. It was the game they played before. Um, Landry was playing really good. Damn it. Last, le- yeah, last five possessions, didn't touch the ball. Last five possessions on the court, didn't, didn't, didn't even touch the ball. He had a career day, and he didn't even touch the ball. And that's because Irving wasn't moving it. You know, it's just when – Harden's not in there, as crazy as it sounds, because Harden has this reputation of being a me-first guy. The ball's just not moving as well. So, so I mean, that's going to be a big thing for them moving forward. And you mentioned the Knicks. I mean, that'd be the one team, if you look at these, like, five through nine teams, Knicks, Celtics, Heat, Hornets, Pacers, that'd be the one team I wouldn't want to face. Because Tibbs has those guys playing hard. They have a identity with the defense. They have Derrick Rose. And the level that Julius Randle is playing right now is – Insane. He's he's going to be a top. He's going to be an All NBA player. They have the number three defensive rating on the entire season, only behind the the Lakers and the 76ers and they are the number three team post uh, All Star break as well. This wasn't like fluky. They've been really good defensively all through the year. This this Brooklyn team now. You're looking at Kevin Durant, who he's played 24 games this year. Um, there are different spurts of the year where he missed three games and then he would play three games and then he missed 23 games and then he played three, then he missed a game, then he played two. Now he missed a game and he's probably going to miss a couple more. We don't know what's up with him. Um, Harden, he pl- he missed two games. Then he came back. He played four minutes in a game on April the 15th uh, or April the 5th and he's missed seven games since. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it, they're not going to gel together. That's going to be the big thing. Like, if they play it like whoever they play in the first round, you know, I don't even like hypothetically the Pacers, let's say the Pacers or even the Hornets. Hornets may win a game, but they're not going to win the series. Yeah. It's going to be that second round probably against, you know, I well, I mean, even the second round, because I mean, 
hypothetically, let's say, let's say they play the Knicks in the second round. That'd be a six-game series, but they make mm-hmm. them work. It would be that series against the 76ers or the or Bucks. The, or the Bucks that yeah. That's where you're going to see shit just, you know, hit the fan for that. If game. they see, yeah, if they ran into the Heat, that that's a team that at healthy would make them work and would and is a very well coached basketball team. So Spolstra would make them really, really work too, and they'll bang uh, bang around with them. They have you know a guy like Butler who can like go toe to toe with some of their stars on a night or two too. So um, yeah. real quickly about the Heat though, did you see like after um, I did some research into this because like Tyler Hero went on he said this is the Heat Heat revenge tour. He lost they lost three games in a row right after that and then like butler's calling out the team about like not really like giving the effort then he sits out the next game like i talked to my buddy who who is in the know with basketball and everything he told me that tyler hero like the perception of him because all he worked so hard and then this year he seems to like as though they said it like go hollywood yes he's doing the commercial got the girlfriend thing yeah instagram girlfriend you know what I mean? I think like for Butler to like call people out and all this rumbling coming out, like Miami wants to like put this like persona for they have this great culture. But I think there's some issues going on be behind the scenes with that team. He's who Kuzma kind of was a while ago, but Kuzma's grown up a little bit, you know. Uh, in fact, he's dating Kuzma's ex girlfriend, I believe. Uh, I think that's the girl. That, that, but it's funny because it's like this was who Kuz was. You get like, you know, you have your moment in the finals last year or in the playoffs where you have some incredible games, and then everybody starts to know who you are, and then the pressure's kind of on defenses and and teams kind of game plan for you and make it, make it a little bit more difficult for you. Um, you're not getting the wide open kind of shots you did before because they're closing. Out a little bit more on you and now it's It's a little bit more difficult but people still Know who you are there's this perception of You being a little bit better than you are Um and he struggled uh this year A, a little bit so it, it kind of reminds me a, a little bit of I, and I, I actually I Love uh, I love Kuzma he's just very like Loves to be in the spotlight kind of guy he works Super hard and uh he's He's grown up and matured uh, But it kind of goes back yeah. to like the leadership though Like everyone like says like Jimmy Butler is like this great leader And there's been one team, you know what I mean? He did it one team in a very unique situation. You know what I mean? Like the thing with Kuzma, I think LeBron's there. LeBron shows those kids how to do it or that kids shows those players how to do it. And he gets them to buy in. Mm-hmm. I just don't 100%. think like Butler has that persona that the other guys did. And the guys around the heat, like they were overlooked like Butler is. But now, like you said, heroes looked at this top of the mountain type guy. They wouldn't eat. They want to give up Tyler Tyler Hero to trade for James Harden. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's mind boggling to me. And like he's based, like in my eyes, Tyler Hero's a glorified Luke Kennard. And I said that when we were talking at the beginning of the year. I just think that, like his head just got too big, and there's issues going on. So the Clippers are quietly playing really good basketball, but they're sort of running into a problem right now with Kawhi. Let, let's first mention that they're nine and one in their last two. They are three games back of the number one spot for of Utah, and they're only a game and a half back of the number two spot with the Suns. And Paul George has been awesome. 
um, his last few games 33, 11, 3 assists, 23.7 rebounds, 5 assists, 37 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 36 points, 32, 33, 36 points. Uh, he's been incredible. They're 17 and 5 since the All Star break. First in win percentage, first in offensive rating, first in three point percentage, second in net rating, fourth in field goal percentage, fifth in defensive rating. They're really good um, right now all over the place, but we just heard that Kawhi, who has missed four straight games. He played on uh, April the 18th. He played. Uh, he missed four straight games. Then he came back and he played April the 18th. He played 22 minutes. And now we heard that he has uh, an injury that he's been sort of uh, like harnessing for a little while. And now it's really flaring up. And they're going to reevaluate him again in a week or so. So that's not great news for a team who seemed like they were one of the teams who was not really wounded right now. And they were playing really good basketball. They are playing really good basketball. They're playing great, and like like we've talked about before, they have Rondo in there now, and like Rondo's just the guy that makes the ball move. He's only playing twenty two minutes a game, but that's what he's going to do. He's going to make the ball move. He's going to hold account people accountability accountable. Excuse me. George is playing great, and you're kind of like getting George, not necessarily ISO, but Rondo's putting him in him in a position to be better spots successful. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not an ISO. Mm-hmm. It's like Rondo's putting him in the it's position. More like wingish. It's more like wing ish. Yeah. It's yeah. more of a fluid offense. Yeah. It's not necessarily like George going ISO, but you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like hypothetically, if Leonard's not a hundred percent, sports are a mental game. I mean, as soon as that first playoff game comes, how is playoff Paul going to react? Is yeah. he going to revert to what happened in the Nuggets series last year? Or is he going to put the mental demons behind him and perform like we know he's capable of performing, which he's doing in the regular seasons? But, I mean, like, honestly, you they're three right now. I don't see the Nuggets or Lakers moving out of four or five. No. I nope. just I think they're locked in. I think that's I mean, probably you, where they end up. And they, they actually did the, the Lakers and probably themselves a little bit of a favor because I don't think they want to play the Lakers in the first round. And, and I don't think the Lakers would want to play them in the first round. Um, so if um, for me, like as a fan, I'd like – I, I would if things stay sort of pretty close to how they are, where the Lakers are playing are playing probably in the four or five spot, and the Clippers are in the three. We we may get the opportunity to see those two LA teams meet up in the playoffs, and it could be in the conference final if both teams you know were to win out there uh, there on. They'd be on the opposite sides of the brackets. That's always like a something we've rooted for out here in LA, and we've had a few times where the teams have been good enough where it it's realistic, and you know if it they're healthy this year. this yeah, would be. Yes, but I mean, like with the Clippers for the first round, you look at it, they play the Blazers right now. Dame, if there's one player that's tired and worn out from last year, it's Dame. And that game last night, Clippers had no business winning. I mean, total malfunction at the end by the Blazers with their core positioning and everything like that. They totally blew that game. Lillard didn't play. And then you got the Mavericks and then you got the Grizzlies and the Warriors and the Spurs right now, though, like Warriors ninth, Spurs tenth. I mean, besides the Warriors, but I don't think the Warriors are going to move up to sixth. There, if I'm the Clippers, there's no real team that's really going to like. You know what I mean? Like, yep. scare me. No, like, if no. I get up a quick three zero in a series, I would probably rest Leonard. And like you and I talked about it before, if you're the Warriors, like, and you play in game, play in game, game one of the playoffs, I'm going to be resting Curry, Draymond, everybody. Because I'm just there's no point in my my mind to be tired for the rest of the series. Just forfeit the first game because this it's so compact and just try to win the series. You know what I mean? The well, we're talking a little bit about the Warriors. Uh, you gotta we gotta mention Steph Curry. So 
in the last 11 games that he's played They're 7 and 4 And he's averaged 40 points a game But but what's absurd Is the 3 point shooting So he's averaging 7.1 3 point makes per game On 14.3 Attempts per game Which is 49.7% He's basically shooting 50% from 3 on 14 attempts So that makes his overall field goal percentage 54 for a point guard He's shooting 90% from the free throw line And then uh, add on top of that 6 rebounds and 4.5 assists This is a guy who has always been a great shooter And been one of the best shooters of all time Throughout his entire career But what he's doing right now is unbelievable He's had, I gotta look up the specifics I think 4 or 5 games with 10 3-pointers As of late Which like the rest of the NBA Put together hasn't even had um, And he's had that in in, you know, like in in one season In one week He he is um, You know, you wondered with, with Curry So early on like Oh, is he having a good year or a good couple years Is, is this gonna change Is he always gonna shoot at this clip Yes, he's sort of like Broken the mold of of how good of a shooter you can be. It's just an insane. Like that close to the game against Philadelphia was insane. He carried him to that victory for the last five minutes, and they kept running the same play. Draymond goes down, picks Looney. Looney comes up, pick and roll, get the switch, and Embiid. Embiid is lost, hit a three, or Embiid's late rotating up, and they just kept on running that same play, and it works all the time. But I mean, I really think the thing is with Curry, I think we all forgot how good he was when Durant was there. I really do, because when you have Durant and Clay and Curry, I think, you know, Curry just, everyone just kind of forgot how truly good he was. It is it, unbelievable what he's been able to do in a year like this where there's no Clay. Draymond is not much of an offensive option at all for them. And then, like, they don't have anyone else to take attention away from him at all. I mean, he's doing this while it's not like, oh yeah, he's getting open shots. Like he's not doing this on the team with Durant and and Clay, where they were they were great and they got everyone there. He's doing this on a team where there's nobody else. And if so, if we were saying, oh, he's scoring forty, fifty, but he's kind of doing it how Kobe was, like right, he's not doing it very very efficiently, but they're still like winning. He's putting a team on his back. The clips that he's shooting at, like the percentages are. Unbelievable And it's one of those things where You never know you know, like the way the game is, is Changing you know every year the Three point percentages like the floor Raises and teams are shooting more and more Three pointers but um, He uh, So He has made uh, Recently in the last In his last five games He's made ten three pointers Four times That's just he, insane. he was it's... ten for eighteen then he was 11 for 16 uh, Then he made 4 Then he came back and he was 11 for 19 And 10 for 17 <laughs> It's just insane He's Like you said he's doing efficient He's not forcing I mean toward the end of the game he'll carry But he's just not He's not forcing like you mentioned Like Kobe used to during the end of his, his career um, The one thing about the Warriors is They have of the most watched NBA games this year, they have five out of the ten, which blows my mind. This is a 500 team, and you can make the argument they're the most popular game, most popular team in the league, and it's truly all because of Steph. It's 100% him. 
Yeah. 100%. I mean, he's just, I've seen him play once in person. I was up in the Bucks game. Oh my God, it was years ago. Um, it was when they had that great start to the season. And they, like, it was that year when they won like 70 some odd games and the Bucks broke that streak. I mean, I just seeing him live. It doesn't do justice what he does until you see him live in person. The Utah Jazz have had a great year all throughout the year. Uh, they've been right at the top of the Western Conference. They're still the one seed right now. They're forty three and fifteen, but they did have some uh, some bad news recently. Well, we don't know exactly how bad it's going to be, but. One of the big positives for them is they've been pretty healthy this year A lot of teams have dealt with major injuries, COVID stuff They have not really had that Conley missed a few games here and there But for the most part, they've had a lot of their core uh, Playing a lot of minutes And if Mitchell is not 100% healthy in a playoff series You know, what does that do to Utah's chances against, uh, you know, possibly Hick Heck, they could run into a, a Golden State team in the first round. You know exactly. that could that could be hot. Um, and, and and you could have to deal with Clay. You know who's scoring forty points a game and trying to uh trying to kind of bait Gobert out, go go drive the lane, and then kind of bring him back out a little bit. You know they could uh then they could run into maybe a, a Lakers team in the second round. I mean, you know it's not going to be you, you you think because you're a one seed. Um, and you've had such a great year It might be easy for you But that is not going to be the case for this Utah team I mean you look like m- Maybe if they caught like a Spurs team Or I guess Memphis wouldn't be I mean y- you'd think they'd, they'd get the advantage And Memphis could could you know win a game or two Maybe there But um, you know if they if they ran into a Like a Mavericks team If they ran into uh, a Golden State team That would not be an easy first round matchup For the Jazz Those would be tough outs And I don't know Does Utah at full capacity yet? Fans like how much are they letting in because that place is a Tough place to play yep and, and, and If they lose that sort of advantage yeah. Of having a packed house there Then you know is it really even Give them that much of an advantage as the One seed with with the the home the home Court not at all not at all it's good It's the west is a juggernaut And then you factor in this playing stuff Where you may have a Luka Mavericks or a, the Warriors Team that's that's going to be tough and then you Cycle into the Lakers team that's Misseated because of how much LeBron and AD have had. Mm-hmm. That's a tough. That's a tough path if you're the Jazz that have been great all year and the worst time of year to have your best player get hurt. That is happening right now, they, and it's going to take legs for him to get back. You yep. know what I mean? He's not going to be able to come back in game one and, against and just Steph. play in the playoffs. Yeah, play 35 minutes. It's he's gonna he's gonna need three or four couple, games. Five, yeah. You know what I mean? Like to get a, going. And the like, I don't think. I think all of these teams it feel okay let me let me word this better there f- feels like a, a few different teams have an opportunity to win but I don't know if any team that you know it has a massive in- injury has a chance to win like I don't think Utah could win without Mitchell I I don't think the Lakers could win without LeBron or AD I don't think you know I I think Brooklyn needs all three of their guys Because they're not deep enough Unless they have all three of those guys Firing on all cylinders Scoring 20 plus points a game Like that's what That's that's the image of that working for them You know Like Embiid Philly's not winning if Embiid isn't 100% The Clippers aren't winning if Kawhi Is not you know healthy or close to 100% So I just 
I, I, I don't know. I don't know if any of these teams could do it without one of their well, better the pieces. Nuggets. The Nuggets, like we went, like the Nuggets were, I'm sure, a team when we talked about the playoffs, a team that we thought was going to be dangerous. Two weeks now, ago, I, I would have said nothing. Two weeks ago, when they were playing well with Gordon before Murray got hurt, if you would have said, Gino, pick one team or bet on one team, and you know that that's not the Lakers that you think is going to win. I'm a Laker fan, and I think if they're healthy, they're going to still be really tough. I would have said the Nuggets. I would have for sure yeah. the way they were playing with Gordon coming in and Gordon kind of taking on a role as hey like I can be a defensive stopper and then just oh yeah because of Jokic and Murray here I'm just going to end up getting 15 points on really easy buckets anyways like sure don't don't mind if I do um it you know they've won a couple games right now and they're still in the fourth spot and they may still hold that fourth spot but come playoff time when you don't have Murray Doing what he did last year You know If you just Even if you just had like a regular Murray Murray was so good in the playoffs last year And he's he shown some glimpses of that this year too He um, They won't have enough on the perimeter To get to, You know Against other good teams Like they'll They will They'll have to be so dependent on Jokic That He is just going to get really worn down You know Jokic plays in a series against someone like I mean for example, like if they played against the Lakers, look at the bodies the Lakers would have to throw against him, right? First off, you have AD. Second off, you have Drummond now. Third off, you have Marcus Gasol. You've got three big bodies that can just go in and kind of beat him up and take some fouls. Oh, for sure. And I mean, think about it. I don't know, what was he played was it the 19th? That's two days ago. He played 45 minutes in the game against um, the Grizzlies that went to double OT. Yeah. This is just, like him playing those minutes. Is just gonna wear and tear on right now. I mean, it's that it's, he's gonna win the MVP probably. You know, like he, he probably yeah. will. It's it'll be interesting this year because we'll see where they finish and maybe that's what they're trying to do is to like get his best to finish for him. But these minutes right now, like you know, thirty eight five there instead of forty five would or minutes that would really help him come playoff time. And like and we said, they're the, they're in a pretty good spot. Like they're not gonna drop all the way out. Oh, they won't. They'll they'll, they'll finish. They're locked into the fourth or fifth. That's going to be, yeah. you know, between what them or the Lakers. But the the main thing that it it's missing for them is they don't have okay tied up down ahead one. You know, whatever scenario into the end of the game, these other teams have that point guard, like off guard or small forward. Somebody perimeter Yeah, yep. put the ball in their hands, drive, make a play. Nuggets like they don't have that. They have. Joker in the high post funneling everything through him. Losing Murray, they lost that. You look at everyone else in the West, everyone else in the East. They have someone like that. Yep. The Nuggets don't. And that's going to be the thing that hurts them. And, and honestly, I take that back. I don't think the Sixers have that guy. Because last night toward that, to close that game, and I know Simmons and Harris weren't playing. I mean, you have Embiid at the top of the team trying to go one-on-one. Is that really what you want in a playoff series? And that's who that's the thing who's going to take because we know Simmons doesn't really want the ball then he he doesn't no. and it we've seen at that moment what version of Harris are you going to get like if he's that guy doing that for you if he ends up having to become your number one option late that's not where he's best he's great on a team where he's like you're like two and a half option right your two or your three option because then he can kind of slide in he doesn't get um you know matched up with the as good of defense you don't have to really focus on him quite as much and, and things are a little easier for him i still wonder that that's been one of the uh 
things they've been trying to get right that point guard over there that like truer point guard whereas Simmons is more of like a point forward he can set things up for you he can drive the lane but does he really he, he's not able or if if it's packed down there he can't hit a 3 he's not yeah, even going to take a 3 he's not yeah, even going to take a 15 off. you could completely sag off him like teams are doing against last year against Giannis i think that's going to be a big issue for the 76ers at some point during the playoffs. Because I'm just going to sag off. I'm going to make a beat. If, if, if a bead is shooting a three-pointer and I'm on defense, I am fine with that. Happy. Let him if he do makes that it, you know day. what? That's You did everything you could, and that's what you want from him. You want him taking that shot. Even if he's improved on it, he's improved off the dribble on his own shot, yes. But at, at the big man, like with the, with the size Advantage he has down low You want him taking that shot uh, He's a great free throw shooter too You'd much rather have him taking that than getting to the free throw line um, So but I mean like the thing with him being And he's getting to the line An insane amount but we all have to remember Playoff basketball different Is tied is officiated so much Ask hard And, and Bead in my eyes He grew up playing soccer Watching soccer I think this guy flops more than anyone in the league and I really think he's not going to get as many calls, as many three throws, as the playoffs progress. So the Lakers, um, they ended up splitting with Utah, and that was uh, big for them. They ended up staying in the in the five spot, and man, they floated around, and um, they were helped by Portland three and eight over their last eleven games. Dallas uh, only five and five in their last ten. And now it looks like Anthony Davis is going to be back on Thursday. By from all reports, he's been, uh, you know. Ramping up uh, everything he's been cleared And I think if as long as he Wakes up fine Thursday morning and uh, Feels good before the game he'll He'll be playing on Thursday and Probably give him you know 15 minutes for the first Couple games ramp him back up but That'll give AD I think you know 13 games or so I'm sure they'll They won't play him in a couple of the back-to-backs they have He'll probably play somewhere between uh, Eight to ten games and um, that that's going to be necessary for him. He only had played twenty three games so far this year, but they did a as good of a job as you possibly could have imagined. This team ended up having uh, has had the second best defense post All Star break in in that time period. They've had games where they I mean, they didn't play with AD in any of that. Uh, LeBron in almost all of that They missed Kuzma a few games Gasol a few games Drummond came in and then he got hurt They Everybody on their team Caruso, um, you know, Wes Matthews Every person except for Montrez Harrell Who's played every game this year Everyone else has been banged up And they still somehow have had uh, The second best defense throughout that time period And it's crazy because They have the second best defense And you're getting probably the one player in the NBA That can physically guard one through five back. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, if they can continue that defensive intensity that they've shown, I mean, they're going to, it's going to be insane. But it's always that thing like once like your star player comes back, those role guys, are they going to like, you know what I mean? Are they going to, is there, when they have to level take their drop? step back? Yeah. Cause yeah, they're excited there... right now. Um, yeah. And we see this happen all the time, you know, where these guys can do this for short periods of time. Right, yeah. they can raise their game for and and I you know I had a conversation with uh, Alex Regla uh, all about the Lakers uh, on on this episode where we got into their entire roster and like why the Lakers were able to stay afloat and how literally there were like eight different guys that had different stretches of like ten or fifteen or twenty games where they really stepped up. Just now, you're exactly right. When a couple of those guys have to take 
back seats Their minutes are much lower They're not getting as many opportunities on the offensive side Is their defensive um, intensity going to stay? We'll see That's the million dollar question Because I mean that's what Guys, you get guys engaged in the offensive end It it carries over to the defensive end Yeah, what's nice What's nice is that they were uh, they were a good defense before, you know what I mean. Like they've been a good defense, and so they sustained it. It wasn't as if like some of these players that are maybe even better defensive players or like more scrappy type players are are now going to be out of the rotation. They'll be in, um, and you're and you're adding in uh, AD and LeBron uh, when they come back into the mix. You're not exactly talking about right, bad yeah. defensive players uh, oh, that are like high usage places players. Not but um, your point is 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 very valid. Like, will you know it's. You get a little, you get just like a better effort from Markeith Morris right now defensively because he's playing exactly. 20 plus minutes instead of maybe playing 10. You know, Caruso is shooting much better and he's getting a couple extra shots. His confidence is up. KCP is playing better defensively because he's getting more shots. Did, you know, did they stay as engaged? Um, but also, like see. with someone like Caruso, it's important that, okay, I'm playing when LeBron's there. What does he get? He gets like what, 11 minutes a game? Um, you know what I mean? Like, I like he gets to like 11 minutes a game, he figures three shots. But now he's playing 20, 22 minutes a game. You know what I mean? Like yep. he doesn't perceive that much pressure when he has those shots. So, I mean, the whole mental thing is big. But, I mean, like we can't talk about the Lakers without talking about this Vivian thing that's happening on Twitter. We have to. Like what, we have to. What's this catfish thing? Like it was – this is – I was reading about – this is fucking mind-boggling to me. This is nuts. So – there was a situation where a person on Lakers Twitter named Vivian for a while was someone who apparently was a co-host of a podcast that talked about the Lakers. Um, and uh, this guy named Josh would set up the podcast and he would interact with her. Uh, he'd send her the link. They talk. They never interacted on video, apparently. And. I guess this person does not exist Now people don't know if Josh Has anything to do with it or did he Actually just get duped because There could have been situations Like somebody actually recording their own Voice and using a Voice changer um, To like to pretend This girl also was apparently A girl that had cancer She had like 16,000 followers So she was someone who had been uh, you know, playing off like she was a, a fan of the Lakers, and the Lakers have a huge following. So there's a there's like an entire like like any fan base, you sort of like know a lot of people online that you'll sort of interact with sometimes that are fans of of those teams. Well, the Lakers have a ton of those, and um, they you know because they're so popular, they like well you know they, they'll team up against each other and stick up for each other. And there was um uh, a message that got sent out that said this girl was missing. And she was like missing while she had cancer So some people were starting to worry like oh wow this girl is sick And she was having chemo treatments that something happened Is she like somewhere people were like legitimately worried And um, now the the account is gone um, The next day somebody that didn't really look like the person uh, Posted a video and said I'm Vivian and spelled the name wrong of Vivian on, on like a little paper So like this is literally like an episode Of Catfish that you would see There are layers to this that are like It it, like, it hurts my brain But at the same time I'm so interested In like I, I'm, I'm kind of finding You know more and more out about it It's it is And then I read like 
Durant was somehow tied to this too as well. Like he found out so yeah. basically what ended up happening is like one guy had said that he he found out that she was a fake because he was talking to her and they were sort of like setting up a relationship and um he just you know she never wanted to see him or talk to him or Skype him or FaceTime her or anything like that. So Eventually he figured it out and and then all of a sudden You know all these Laker fans start looking up And all these pictures that she She's got posted are just horrible Um photoshops When you like really look into them They're like she's got herself photoshopped On a woman's Basketball like in the bo- On the body of a woman like Playing basketball in Europe <laughs> Like she's got her oh face On this person's body And uh I mean, if I'm MTV right now, I'm getting what's his name, Neve. Right? I'm getting Neve on the phone. The right to this, you got to get Durant the right as a special. Durant is a special guest, and those guys just do their thing, man. Like, I mean, Jesus, dude, this is like mind-boggling crazy, to me. Crazy stuff, man. So either people have either gotten completely duped, or somebody made a bunch of stuff up. One of the last posts that she made, she like. Uh, had signed off with the same symbol that the guy Josh uses a lot of times, like an emoji that he uses at the end. So it was either him doing it and like not realizing, or somebody else maybe doing it, thinking that it would set him up. You know, like it's just this is insane stuff. Like that's I and and people have texted me about it, just like you, like you're you're bringing it up. I've gotten a few different people like, "What is up with this Lakers thing?" And like they were talking about it on ESPN LA today. They uh like I think the Daily Beast has articles about it. It's been written like articles in like major publications about this. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, like it is. It is. It is just it's mind boggling. You know, like what the hell? Like it just. I don't know. I mean, apparently I, she had been a member of Raiders Twitter years back. They found the same picture of of uh, her, and she had interacted with people like a bunch of people there. And it's like somebody uses this account or different accounts in that picture to go catfish people. It's like a some model's picture that they've used like image distorting slightly on to like slightly change the image of this like model so it wouldn't didn't look exactly like them. And uh, some like IT guy went and found this. I mean, this thing has become like so massive. If you want to look this up, I'm sure we could do a full podcast on this uh, on this topic ourselves. But if you're listening to this and you like these kind of like weird stories, check this out. You literally can just type in Vivian Lakers on Twitter, and you'll see a bunch of things that come up, and they'll like articles that really explain everything that's happened over the last few days with this. But uh never what what really uh this tells you, Eric, is that there is never a dull moment when you're a Laker fan. You know? Oh God. <laughs> Jesus. Never, never at all, man. No. God. <laughs> so, oh my uh, God. A few more things we're gonna continue to talk about here in our uh in our NBA segment. Um you I brought talk up, about the I want to talk about the Pelicans. I didn't please do man. They're in I some mean, big trouble right now. They're done. I mean I I don't understand. I don't, they can't get into the playing game at all. No. They're done. I mean, I was not. Watching, they're four games back of the ten spot right now. I mean, to put it in perspective, Vegas set their over under at thirty six. They're at twenty five. There's no way that's going to hit. They aren't. They're battling for the playoffs. They're playing a team, a Brook, a Nets team without Durant, without Harden. Their effort and just get just getting back on defense. Including is Zion is is just poor. Anytime they need a stop, they never get a stop. It's usually they give up easy bucket 
or an and one. And I'm watching them. And in my eyes, the person playing the best basketball out of everyone on the court in a Pelicans uniform is ball. Lonto. And I don't know if it's because they're not going to resign them, but he's the one guy on the team. He's shooting well. So like when you do the pick and roll with him, you can't sag off. You have to at least respect his jump shot now. And he's a pass first guy. So he's he going to give very guys. Good yeah, he's going to put guys in a position where to succeed. They have way too much action going on with Zion and Brandon Ingram and yep. everything is stagnant. And that's their issue on offense. It's and like on you defense, go, I go. Trying. They sort yeah. of take turns. You know, it's like, oh, Ingram will go a few times and then Zion will go a few times and then Ingram goes a few times. And then, like, Zion, he's been unbelievable and he's breaks all these records. And, you know, you're, you look up and you go, oh, okay, they're not that good. What? Zion must have missed a bunch of games. No, he's played 52 games this year. He's averaged 33 minutes. It's just not resulting in wins and, you know, a combination of things, right? Like, what is it? Is it. Coaching, maybe, maybe like Stan Van isn't connecting with these guys um, as much younger guys. He's maybe uh, been out of the game for a little bit. Or is it some personnel? Who knows? Because I look at Zion and I think he is better right now offensively than I thought he might ever be. Like mm-hmm. offensively, he's incredible, but he doesn't do anything for you on the defensive end. And a, and a lot of other NBA players, like I've heard on podcasts, they know it. And they talk about it. Like, they'll even say, like, oh, yeah, Zion won't even, like, bend over to get the ball on the defensive end, you know? Yeah, it's um, zero effort, and you're fighting for a playoff spot. Just the 10th spot. We're not even talking yeah. about, like, the 6th spot so you could secure uh, a series. We're talking about the 10th spot. There's expanded playoffs this year, and you can't finish in the top 10. Like, you're behind – you're four games behind a Spurs team that has no business being 500. Like, oh, with their personnel. Like, but none. I mean, it goes back to my John Morant comment, how I figure Morant is one of the most underrated players in the league. This is the starting lineup that basically got killed against the, against the Nets last night. Steven Adams, Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram. On paper, pretty good, right? I mean, then you look at the starting lineup that the Grizzlies lost to the Nuggets. Joker, we can both say, is going to win the MVP. This was their starting lineup. Xavier Tillman, Kyle Anderson, Grayson Allen, Desmond Blaine, and John Morant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, dude, John like, wins. I mean, like, winners win, and that's what he's doing. And you look at this team, like, this Pelicans team, they're not trying. Van Gundy's not connecting with them. Zion is a, as everyone likes him for what he does offensively. Defensively, he's a nightmare. I thought when they brought in Steven Adams, defensively, they're going to be great. They're awful. Like, just this like team it is doesn't a fit. Wreck. Like it yeah. doesn't fit, you know. Um, it really disappointing. They've lost four in a row now, and they're, I mean, short of of them like close to winning out, you know, they, they would have to go like in their final games, you know, like 12 and two or something like that, you know, close to that if they wanted to get in. And they're, they're in some big time trouble right now. They just no glimpse of that. Um, last year, there were shades of them playing well down the stretch, and we thought, oh, yeah, they'd be a scary team to play. They just, they don't look like that at all right now. They, but they I mean, don't like look, they got rid of Gentry. They yeah. got rid of Gentry, and their team's performing worse. This and is another you know, coach that you fire because you think the pasture is greener on the other side. I'm talking I, about the Pacers in this, and it's not. I think a little bit about too uh, something we discussed a few weeks ago. Remember the the JJ Reddit comments? You know, yeah. when he left there, he just didn't feel like the organization was being run very well. 
And that there was not very great communication Between them They told him things that were not true Keep in mind JJ Redick Has the same agency as Zion You know keep in mind Zion A few days ago was making those comments about loving to play In New York when the Knicks beat them And everybody got all like uh oh Zion wants to come to New York you know So these are things That you don't think about right now But these are things that happen With the Celtics you know Um when they get rid of Isaiah Thomas and they kind of Ainge is kind of you know dangling people out there quite a bit and um, you, you never really know what's happening with them. These are things that happen with other teams and they do catch up with with you. So yeah, yeah they have, everything eventually catches up with you if you if you, if you treat players shady, that's going to get around and it's going to affect the way that you are perceived. I yep. mean, you look at the the Celtics can't get anyone to sign there right now because no. how Ainge team change Thomas. Yeah, you, 80's you dad look, blasted him, you know? Yeah, and you look at, like, right now, you look, like, hypothetically, I don't even know who's a free agent this year, but just, let's say, for argument's sake, um, I don't even know. We'll yeah. say Zion. We'll say Zion. Argument's sake, Zion. You look at a team like the Knicks, and you look at the Celtics, I mean, I'd want him to go to New York right now. Absolutely. I mean, I mean with how, the, how they're being run, Tibbs has the foundation, there's not, like, the everyday thing with Tatum and Brown. I mean, I definitely go to New York. And let's talk a little bit about them because they've won seven in a row right now. They're up to the number five seed in the East. They are 32 and 27. And this is a, a Knicks team that is led right now by Julius Randle, who's averaging 23.7 points a game, 10 and a half rebounds a game, over six assists a game. He's shooting 46% from the field. The only reason why he's not shooting higher from the field is because he's taking a lot of threes. He's shooting full, over 40% from three and then 80% from the free throw line. This guy has, this year right now, grown into a legitimate top 20 Player in the NBA he is carrying This team and he is the the Real star on this team they all Buy in and they all sort of Feed off of him uh, they they All play really good defense they're well coached But th- this dude is someone Who I loved as a Laker fan uh, Was one of my favorites of their early Young guys because he always just had a really Good motor on him he played hard All the time he didn't really get along that great With Luke um, had some Issues and he still Hadn't you know developed his three point shot like this at all, but um, he, man, he is playing like he's hitting a level that I don't think a lot of people thought he could ever hit. But they always say like you don't reach your maturity in the NBA until twenty six, twenty seven, when you truly right. understand. Yep, twenty six right now. Yep, and then that clip they played that clip during the ESPN game, how the one thing that Randall took away from playing with Kobe was when you land in a new place. You find a gym that will let you in and you get your shots up. Mm-hmm. And I got like Randall has done that since Kobe taught that to him. Now he has the whole Knicks organization, the whole team doing that. So whenever they go to a place, they find a local high school, YMCA, you know, life sport, you know, whatever. And they go put up their shots. I mean, and now you put in Tibbs, hard no guys, guys holding everyone accountability and teaching those young guys on the team how to win. R.J. Barrett's game has improved. I mean, they're doing a great job of running the, the offense through uh, through Randall, and you put Derrick Rose as a proven like leader. that every Derrick Rose is a one guy in the NBA that everyone likes and looks up to. This team is going to be dangerous. You, you allow Tibbs, who's arguably the best defensive coach in the league, 
like all the playoff time and seeing you multiple times, that'd be the one team that's going to be seated four or lower that I would totally want to avoid. They just got to be a little careful because where they are right now, they're in the fifth spot. They're only half of a game behind Atlanta. Can you believe that they're only a half game away from being in the spot where they could host, they could have home court advantage in a playoff series? But got to be careful because they're only a full, well, like a game and a half ahead of Miami for the seventh spot for the play in. So they've had such a great year right now. I think for them, the goal. Obviously they're they're wanting to set their sights higher But I think a realistic goal right now is We gotta try to finish top 6 So we can get ourselves a series And really build on this It would feel like such a bummer for a Knicks team That's played so great Through this what like almost 60 games Of the year And now if they were to struggle a little bit down the stretch And then you know fall into a play-in spot And not even get themselves a series That would feel disappointing So where they are right now I think they just gotta try to hold their spot Stay in this 4-5-6 range Oh yeah for sure that would be a huge victory for them Because not getting Avoiding the play-in game Is huge for everybody yep, It is yep. huge And who would have thought that What's the date today the 21st That we would say hey Hawks, Knicks, potential first round matchup. <laughs> four, five, a four, five. I mean, that, that's mind boggling. That is. I mean, that's mind. But it just shows like how good of a coach Tibbs actually is, and how wrong Minnesota was for a firing him, and how wrong Phil Jackson was not hiring him because he wouldn't he wouldn't run the triangle. This has uh, been an excellent year for Tibbs, no doubt about it, and uh, hopefully the Knicks can hold strong for uh, these last, uh, uh, you know. 15 games or so of the season They are Have you ever uh, been to the Garden? Have you ever been to a game in the Garden? I've never been to a game in the Garden I've only walked outside of the Garden Yeah I've been to I've been lucky enough to been be Gone to two games Oh my god And this is I'm old So this is like way back when When LJ played there So When they had the uh, When LJ was doing the thing Where he'd hit the three And he'd make like the LJ with his hands Like that's how old school And I mean it was Oh, phenomenal atmosphere. I mean, it was it was great. Great. So, below them in uh, in the East, in the 10, 11, 12 spots, we've got a couple teams who are going to be trying to battle to get the uh, the 10th spot there. So, right now, the Bulls have just jumped into the 10 spot. The Washington Wizards are deadlocked with them, but the Bulls have the the tiebreaker, and then the Raptors are slightly behind them too. Those three teams are uh, are trying to get in uh, right at the bottom. Like neither one of them are necessarily. I mean, the the Wizards are playing okay. They're they've all won a few games in a row, but I don't know how scary any of them would would be. I mean, the Bulls are done. The Bulls lost by what sixteen tonight to the Cavs. Yeah. How can you lose to the Cavs when you're fighting for a playoff spot? I mean, the one team that would be I would not want to play in the playing situation would be the Wizards just because of Beal and Westbrook. I mean, I think, like, one-game scenario, those guys could mess around. Obviously very talented. That's who I'd want to stay around. I think Toronto is, is just like, F it. You know, we just want to get out of the season. We just want to get ready. I mean, they want to go home, man. Oh, yeah. Nurse came out and said, oh, yeah, Lowry could play if if we needed him. And I'm really glad (laughs) the Lakers didn't do that because um, 
you know, they would have upgraded a little bit from Schroeder to Lowry, but they would have gotten rid of KCP. They would have gotten rid of uh, THT. That'd have been like three rotation players that the Lakers really would have needed through this little stretch right now. Guys that really helped them quite a bit. So, um, uh, poor Toronto. Yeah, they, I think they're just going to be ready and uh, and happy to head home. I think another team that wants to just get uh get home and they're doing their best to look, lose every game they can because the picks that they have. OKC, got to mention them. They've lost eleven games in a row so far. So uh, shout out and congrats to them because that's what they want to do. They uh, they want to lose. I think they could get the one in five pick. Can you imagine if you get the one in five pick? <laughs> wow. In this wow. draft, wow. I mean that's just crazy to me. I mean it. Yeah, they're losing. I mean, they're just trying to get as many picks as they can. They got Gildress Alexander, who's on the cusp of being a star in this league. You know, you get a top three pick. And the more and more I think about it, the guy that I think from the college circuit that's going to be ready to kick in right away and contribute right away is Jalen Suggs. I mean, I'm starting to like this kid more and more and more. Just all about winning. Like, And I'll be honest, if I'm Minnesota... I'm that's the guy I want you put him Edwards you got to decide what you want to do with Towns but I mean that'd be the guy I'd look to target as as good as as much as I like Cunningham I think Suggs is a guy to target because I just think he's going to be a winner in this league uh we bounced all around we hit a bunch of things any anything else uh, that that we uh we didn't talk about that you want to hit uh two things um I think A-Rod Owning the T Wolves, I think that's going to help them. Sure. Um, yeah, I, people will kind of yeah. uh, if that can help them at all, like just drawing a, a free agent here or there, right? Or making mm-hmm. somebody think it's kind of like a cool place to go or destination. I think that's going to, ha- yeah, I think that's going to help them a lot. I mean, like I know, like Anthony Edwards said he didn't know who he was and that one thing, but I really don't pay any attention to that people know who A Rod is. Yeah, I think that's going to, I think that's going to help a lot because it's. A, it's going to bring star quality to a, um, you know what I mean? To a Midwest team. Yeah. That's what it's going to do. It's bring star quality to a Midwest team. Um, and then also it, it was a big thing. I got into it with one person at social media. No one knows what people are thinking. You put someone on a spot and you say, who are the best five players you played with? And someone, how long has Durant played in the year? Like league, like what? 10, 11 years. And he didn't say Russ's name. And everyone's like, Oh, he did it on purpose. He like paused Every time before he said someone's name, you know what I mean? It wasn't like he was like, Clay. he knew what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if he knew what he was doing. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause he, I mean, like, think about it. He said Serge Ibaka. Yeah. Who's saying Serge Ibaka is a better player than Draymond Green? You know what yeah. I mean? I just, yeah. I just, my thing is like, look, could he forget Russ? Yeah. I, like, no one knows. You know what I mean? And like, the announcer goes, what about Russ? He goes, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about him. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, he didn't say, oh, no, Russ isn't in the top five. I don't know. I just think I just think they, with certain people, Durant and Russ, because of their history, people just try to make a big deal out of stuff that necessarily probably isn't there. So, I mean, that was my two cents on the big thing. Uh, man, can you believe we only have, like, just over 10, like, 10 games left for some of these teams? Like, it, between the 10 to 15 game stretch, um, it, it is pretty crazy. This game has gone uh, – the season has gone by – Pretty quickly, and and like let's be honest, right? We're not going to sugarcoat it. 
They've had a ton of hiccups And the players, some of the players have been pissed I mean, from the very beginning, it sort of felt cash grabby They started earlier than they were supposed to Because they needed to start on, on Christmas Day To get that Christmas Day money Then um, they, you know, they did the All-Star game After they promised some of the players They weren't going to have the All-Star game Because they needed extra money there um, And then the second part of the schedule Is really condensed uh, for a lot of teams And uh, we're seeing a lot of these injuries So, I, you know it's I'm I'm just keeping my fingers crossed too that we can get through. I'm a Lakers fan, right? But I don't ever want to play a team that um that's injured. I want to beat the best teams, you know? Yep. Like every time. Especially when I have a team that I think is as good as the Lakers are when they have AD and LeBron. Like I want to play everybody at their full strength and beat them that way. Um and I, I just I hope we can get as close to that as possible once these playoffs come because right now there are a lot of teams that are looking that are like are not looking good not at all and also it's important to remember everyone the quality of basketball in the playoffs is going to go up tenfold yeah like these guys right now these are the dog days like you and i talked about last week they're just kind of going through the motions when this is playoff and you roll up your sleeves and it's loser go home i mean think about think about the bucks the bucks are going to have P.J. Tucker, Drew Holiday, and Giannis out there defending. With Middleton, who's not that bad. Not bad at all. And you got Dante Dante DiCenzo. That's going to be their five probably to close the game. That's a tough defensive unit overall to close the game. You know, I mean, and the effort that they had, like I'm not saying they, they tried to lose the Suns game, but the effort they have in that Suns game, that defensive effort's going to be five times more Come in a playoff type setting Eric Etoff 2-1 Sports uh, Let us know where can we follow You on social media What do you got coming up for us um, You can follow me at Etoff 2-1 Sports On Twitter and uh, Instagram I've, I'm going to be having a lot of NFL Draft stuff coming out, positional rankings um, A mock Draft, I'm just going to really Be focused on that the next uh, couple of Weeks and hope my Lions don't draft An undersized wide receiver there we go. We'll uh, we'll definitely talk some uh, of the draft as we get a, a little closer and closer to that. Eric, man, thanks so much, buddy. Yeah, there was a lot of, a lot to discuss this week in uh, NBA. Who's hot? Who's not? Looking forward to talking to you again next week. Sounds good, man. Talk to you then. Make sure to give uh, Eric a follow there on social media. You know you're going to hear him each and every week here on That's What G Said. Don't go anywhere, folks. Plenty more to discuss. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the. DRF, the daily racing form for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. 
one click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic past performances you get the home screen with horses with odds with buyers you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph you can rotate your phone for the best view and any horse that you click on you'll see the running lines you can easily move from horse to horse the same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances you get an interactive format which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches and so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone cross device functionality you can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices on the go handicapping and wagering Multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Big thanks to Eric for helping us out here each and every week as we now transition to the horse racing portion of this episode and we're going to talk some stable duel. I had a decent week in stable duel over the weekend last weekend. Just missed out in that big Elkhorn contest. Still made some money finishing second. And then on Wednesday night, we won that BTV D-Gen special for Penn National and also won the Penn National $10 contest. Picked up a couple hundred bucks there and I gave out all of the horses right here on That's What G Said. So hopefully uh, some of you uh, made a few bucks and played along that's why we're doing it trying to help everyone out here free analysis for tons of different stable dual contest each and every week each and every episode this weekend our focus is going to be on friday at keeneland they have a ten dollar contest at stable dual they have a thirty dollar top 10 there's a five hundred dollar double up there's a feeder friday a two hundred and fifty dollar contest remember if you win that feeder friday contest you will get an opportunity to go to Keeneland in October and play in that $400 Fall Challenge, the live on-track contest. This is your last chance on Friday to get involved in that Feeder Friday contest. You get a free entry into the $400 Fall Challenge on-track at Keeneland. So, um, tons of options for your closing day at Keeneland. Pimlico joins the mix. You can play at Pimlico in a $12 game, $100 triple up. Santa Anita has a $10 game. Golden Gate has a free game. Yep, totally free. If you want to play at Golden Gate on Friday, maybe you just want to test out the app. You want to test out the game. Um, give it a try for free at Golden Gate on Friday. Oh yeah, on Saturday, Golden Gate has a free game also. Uh, you can play at Lone Star Friday for 15 bucks or in the dollar game then on saturday you've got a couple games at pimlico you've got a couple games at gulfstream santa anita has a big game there's a five dollar game and then there's a 25 dollar game fifteen hundred dollars in prizes that pay out to the top five then you've got the lone star opening series continuing on and the lone star dollar game on saturday Closing out the weekend, Stable Duel has Sunday games for you at Pimlico, Santa Anita, and then two more at Lone Star. So 
While Keeneland closes, some new tracks are welcomed in, like Pimlico joining the party and Lone Star. There'll be a little more of a focus now at Santa Anita to uh, with a, a big game out there this weekend on Saturday. So uh, we will get right into Friday, and we're going to talk all about Keeneland. So get those past performances out for Friday for Keeneland. We'll go through the full card for you on April the 23rd there, and... Um, we start out in race number one with uh, Maiden Specials going five and a half on the turf course there. The five Napa Spirit for Ward is obviously going to be really, really tough. Has already worked well on the grass. Um, the two code clear is interesting to me. So he's a first-time starter. His dam was a three-time winner. All three wins came on the turf uh, in 11 turf starts and won the debut going long. Grade three place dam. Couple siblings, both of them lightly raced. They only made one start and five starts, neither one, but it's really hard to get a, a gauge because they just, you know, they were lightly raced horses. This is a barn who can absolutely pop with a horse right out the gates uh, and right out the block. So, Code Clear, I'll use along with Napa Spirit, 2 5 for me. Code Clear, the number two is 12 to 1 on the morning line. If we can get anything like 8 to 1, I'd make a win wager. I'd use the five if you're playing, you know, early exotics and things like that, 2 and 5. As we move along to race number two here, uh, I like the four. This is a group of maiden special weights, two-year-olds going four and a half furlongs. La Bazella Negra, the dam of this first-time starter, uh, vis-a-vis, won the debut, is graded stakes placed, multiple stakes placed, earned over 100000 has produced four siblings, has produced four foals, four siblings to, uh, to this gal, uh, to this guy, and three of them won. So the number four, La Bazella Negra, I will include... Everywhere with the three headline report for Wesley Ward, couple siblings, both winners, and then obviously you've got John's protege. I had four, three, two stacked that way in race number two as the four. If you know if you get four to one, I'd make a win wager there off of that six to one morning line. We move along to race number three. I like the six in here quite a bit. The first time starter for Graham Motion. Vassar's boy. This guy is a full brother to Stormy Liberal, who is a 12-time winner on the turf. 12 for 33 on the grass. He's earned over $2.1 million, almost $2.2 million, and he's a two-time Breeders' Cup turf sprint winner. So, you know, you, you, you got a full brother to a really good turf sprinter, and now you're also a full to Leinster who is 5 for 11 on the grass, a four-time graded stakes winner, and has earned 764000 Two other winning turf siblings. There's just a lot of turf and a lot of turf sprint in the pedigree for Vassar's boy. You've got Saez jumping, Luis Saez, who's had an incredible meet, jumping aboard for Motion, who's been a little cold, but is is very much due. And I think Vassar's boy, he'll probably get bet down a little bit. He's 10 to 1 on the morning line. If you get like 6 to 1, he's worthy of a win wager. He's a good stable dual horse to use. The But this is a great race. The seven after five blinkers off first time Lasix. Uh, no, this this horse is Grade Three placed and wasn't disgraced in the Breeders' Cup. Really didn't run all that that poorly. The eight looting gets Lasix for the first time. This is a full to Impromis, who's a multiple graded stakes winner and has earned eight hundred sixty five thousand dollars. So looting should improve the switch to, uh, should improve on the switch to the grass. The three Mister Annoying. Nothing wrong with his debut. There were two next out winners that day. Chasing already won $100,000 stakes next out. Uh, the runner-up, Wara, came back to win a maiden special weight next out and then was third in an allowance race. Uh, the seventh-place finisher from February 26th came back to win a maiden claimer. 
And Mr. Annoying moved through inside, was up to second, was in tight, had to wait and take back a length, was in third, was behind horses, um, then moved inside, never really got a clear run through. He's kind of hard to leave out of your exotics. So I had six, seven, eight, three as like my must-use exotic horses and horses that I would maybe use underneath if I'm putting the six on top. Uh, the 10, the 2, and the 5 would be others in a really, really good third race. Many different ways you can go there. In the fourth race, um, the two, I mean, very logical horses in here. Like 1, 2, 5, I thought were the only ones here. I'd prefer the 2, Sweet Spin, who might be able to get a little bit of a an off-the-pace run in here. With Sweet Queen B drawn to the inside, will probably go until now. Going to be close. Signify, going to be close. And Hollywood Gina from the outside going to be close up early. I think Sweet Spin could get a very nice trip if all four of them end up going. Hollywood Gina to the outside is probably the one that they'll all have to catch and beat. And then you got Sweet Queen B, who was impressive winning uh, earlier in the meet at Keeneland. I stacked him 2-5-1 in that order, but I would, you know, I prefer the two Sweet Spin trying to get the, the, getting the trip. In race number five at Keeneland, you know, like, the fourth, fifth, and sixth races to me all felt kind of a uh, Captain Obvious type races. Like I'm not going to tell you too much that you, you you probably couldn't just figure out yourself here with Floriform being very logical. I'd slightly lean Floriform over Crew Dragon, just because I think Floriform has a little bit more tactical speed. I mean, Floriform has actually beat Crew Dragon before, and uh, I really don't have any knocks on either one of them. Um, you know, you've got the very logical one with with Celest, uh, also. I thought if you're looking for a price in here, um, an outside-of-the-box horse, it would be Shady McGee, who they tried to, you know, first time in uh, in North America, they take a shot on the synthetic in a stakes. You draw the rail that day, and just bad start, and you never get involved. Now you go first time gelding, first time LASIK, second off the long break, and you take a shot on the grass with Maker. I think a total wild card. So I would throw the three... In some exotics here, um, I had him stacked eight five one three, but yeah, nothing too crazy um, in uh, in race number five. I sort of felt the same thing in race number six because there's just no speed in here, and Puye timing should get a real lonely lead up front. She likes Keeneland. I think she's going to take him as far as she'll go. She's really fast. She picks up Saez, and there's no other pace in the race. So, not a race I'm excited or you know dying to bet here with a, a chalk and then the other two would be the logical two my bets and the one spiteful charge you know I don't try to spend a whole lot of time on the races where I just don't see anything that uh, other than than what looks to be really formful in the seventh race I like the six a lot here uh, Kentucky Ghost he was hooked four or five wide going into the first turn he ends up settling like fourth too deep, three lengths off. He asked, he responded. It was a very impressive race. That was his first start as a four-year-old. Look back at some of his races last year. A, a good second to tie to the sea behind Sharp Wild About You, behind Spanish Kingdom, who's a nice one, domestic spending uh, earlier on in the year. I think this horse has some real ability and seems to be putting it all together. That was a great start of a, of a four-year-old campaign there for Kentucky Ghost. I have the six over the five Ocean Atlantique, who, I mean, he looked like he was going to win. He was getting a perfect trip, and then he, he angled out, and he was just flat. He got a ton of money, 
he's just going to take a lot out of that race. He'll have he'll be so much fitter today with that race under his belt. The seven and the eight would be the other two for me: conviction, trade, and battalion. Those are super logical. I prefer six five. I've got them stacked as my top tier. Six five here, Kentucky Ghost. If we can get around seven to two, I'm going to make a win wager in that seventh race. We move along to race number eight. On your closing day at Keeneland, open maiden special weight, six and a half furlongs, the distance. I like the 11, casual affair. Uh, this one's a son of a shadow. And she earned $3.9 million. Your Kentucky Oaks winner, your Breeders' Cup Distaff winner. She's produced five winning fulls so far. A casual affair is just very, very live to me. The nine, Buffalo Shuffle, getting Lasix for the first time with the speed, cutting back. You've got Yearner for Victory, who has three winning sibs and I think is very, very well met. Has shown some ability in the mornings. And then, obviously, the five, Sibelius, who got squeezed back at the start and was a very good runner-up uh, in the career debut at Laurel. So, 11-9-10-5 there. I've got the 11 on top. We move along to race number 9 here. The Bewitch, the grade 3 Bewitch going a mile and a half on the turf course. The 8, who uh, we actually gave out uh, on March 27th, winning the Orchid at 5-1, to Warlike Goddess. She's the one to beat. She's really nice. She's got a big late kick. She can run all day long. The 3-3 three, three Flamingos, who was defeated by Warlike Goddess two starts back. She's intriguing to me. Look at her recent form. She has no issue going long, right? She had she was a good second to Warlike Goddess two starts back. She won a race going a mile in 5-16th at Kentucky. And with her running style, it's it's tactical. She's going to be able to get a jump on Warlike Goddess and some of the other deep closers in here. I think she'll probably sit second behind Delica. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Three Flamingos was on the lead, but it just feels like Delica's naturally much quicker and that that makes sense for Delica. So Three Flamingos probably sitting second behind Delica. Second start off the bench now, coming off of a, a nice victory. This animal is good. She has some ability. She's got some tactical speed. She might be able to fall into a good spot. Her numbers and figures are a little bit low, so people will probably go elsewhere. But three flamingos with the right to improve, I think she falls into a great spot. I'm using three, eight in all exotics. Delica, I mean, she makes sense as a horse who's going to try to get to the front end, but does she really want to go this far? Uh, others in here to include the the five past the plate. As a, a price horse that I like and I genuinely uh, generally play, um, if she gets the kind of trip that she needs, I'm not sure if this is really what she wants to do, go this far. And then you've got the wild card, California Queen, who you got to imagine this Group 2 winner is uh, a little bit better than what she showed last time out, making her first start in North America and making her first start for Chad Brown. 3-8-7-6-5, that's how I have them stacked. 3-8 for me in all exotics, 7-6-5 if you're going deeper or uh, you need a, a little some horses to use underneath. We close it out at Keeneland with Maiden, $50,000 claimer, 7 furlongs, the distance. I like the three, Texas Playboy, who's getting first-time Lasix, who's coming into the Ken McPeak barn for the first time. Debuted at Del Mar last year for Jeff Mullins and hooked a really tough group. The winner, Wi-Fire, came back to finish second in a stakes next out. The third-place finisher, Defunded, came back to win, and then uh, he actually took a shot in the San Anita Derby. He finished fourth most recently for Baffert. So I think Texas Playboy just comes out of a really tough race. Don't be shocked if you see him show a little bit more speed here. Gets Lasix for the first time. The number three is a must-use for me in all exotics. 
and then it's just logical with the other couple um, with uh, Poseidon Wrath, you know, quick from the outside, and then uh, Talaj uh, getting Lasix for the debut for Ward and Joel. Three, seven, six for me to close it out at Keeneland on Friday. So best of luck closing day at Keeneland on Friday. Uh, for me, some must-use horses in the first code clear. Throw them in your uh, early exotics. In the second, the number four, uh, La Balaza Negra. In the third, uh, Vassar's Boy, the number six. In the fourth, the two, Sweet Spin. And then we move to the seventh with the six, Kentucky Ghost. In the ninth, the three, three Flamingos. And in the tenth, the three, Texas Playboy. Good luck on closing day over at Keeneland. Let's head over to Belmont Park for the first time this meet. We will be talking Belmont Park on That's What G Said. We'll have some Friday and then some Saturday Belmont analysis for you. So I've got a couple plays throughout the card at Belmont. Nothing that seems like it's 10, 15, 20 to 1. So I think with a lot of these horses, we really have to watch their price because keep in mind, when I have a value line on a horse, if I like a horse and I'll bet them if they're 5 to 2, if they're not 5-2, to two, I'm not going to bet them, especially with the way the late money hits nowadays, right? You, you bet a horse sometimes, you think they're 3-1, to one, and all of a sudden they're 8-5. to five. So if I'm already below the line that I expected for a horse, I'm not going to bet them. And we have to understand that as gamblers, there are some races where we picked the winner and we didn't bet them. And it's okay because they were not the value that we needed. They weren't a good price. You know, it's not it's not always worth just picking up a few bucks if it's not the right value. So that's one thing you're going to hear me preach on this show always is that you have to be disciplined as a better, right? Like it's fun. Betting is fun. We all have a fun time. We we sit back, we watch the races, but I'm not going to try to teach bad habits. And I myself am always going to try to develop the best habits possible. And so, you know, even if you're someone who plays the races for fun and you're not really worried about making a living doing it, you probably want to develop the best habits possible and give yourself the best opportunity to make the most money possible, right? So let's get to Belmont for Friday, April the 23rd, get those past performances out. And I'm looking at race number two, uh, the number one BC Glory Days, I think has the opportunity from the inside to just outrun this field. It doesn't look like there's all that much pace in here. Clever Fella will probably try to stalk close uh, from the outside, but a little spotty. This is a horse who um, has had a couple months off now after having a year off, year off. So some some concerns with him as far as his durability. Give me the one BC Glory Days from the inside. He's three to one on the morning line. If we get anything around five to two, let's make a win wager. Make sure he's in some of your early exotics there. In the third race at Belmont, the number one Miss Brazil is going to be a heavy favorite, but I thought the three slam dunk uh, could provide you an alternate if you were looking to try to beat the favorite. So she comes off of kind of a clunker. She just did not really run all that well um, in the Hurricane Birdie at Gulfstream. But two starts back. She ran very well, and that's the type of trip I'm thinking she might get in here. She probably won't be that close, but invaluable with Carmouche to the outside. They have to try to make it difficult on Miss Brazil from the rail. So I'm hoping invaluable is sent hard. Miss Brazil tries to track from second from the inside, maybe gets in a bad spot, maybe gets into some trouble, and then you've got slam dunk who has enough positional speed to where she doesn't have to be too far behind them. She could be sitting third or fourth within a few lengths, and she can close. 
and she's going to go third start off the bench now, third start for Suge. I'm expecting a good one from the number three, Slam Dunk. She's 7-2 on the morning line. If we get anything over 5-2, that's worthy of a win wager. Make sure to use her in your early exotics. Let's move to the sixth race. Optional 80, second level allowance, mile and a quarter on the turf course. And I'm going to the seven, Kissing Frogs, who hasn't really run a bad race in the three grass races. Is is you know three quarters of a length away from being undefeated. She tracked inside. She was second, third. She was within two lengths, but she was tucked in. She tried to angle off the inside, and by the time she did, it was just a little bit too late. And it was a very good second for connections that have really had a, a good last couple months. Mott and Alvarado. Kissing Frogs has the race under her belt, which I like. And then you look around for horses like Capital Structure, Virginia Joy. Those are are very, very talented horses. But I'm thinking they may need a race for their best. And Kissing Frogs has already sort of gotten that prep race first start of the year out of the way. So let's see if Kissing Frogs can get the better of a couple of nice Chad Brown runners here. Kissing Frogs is 3-1 to one on the morning line. Make sure to use in, in some late exotics. And uh, I would play if we can get it, same sort of thing. Like, I'm trying to beat favorites. I think some of these horses, even at that like 5-2, to 3-1 to one are, are nice value. But just be careful. If they get bet down, then, then just steer clear uh, of these races. Like, you need to at least demand a little value. Let's move to race number 8 on your Belmont Park Friday card. And... Uh, this is this is a stakes race here, the uh, the affirm success. And honestly, I don't have the strongest opinion in the world, just because I feel like Big Engine is super logical. Running with scissors was is honest, and he ran well. He got the trip last time. He got the jump on Big Engine, and Big Engine was just better. But if running with scissors floats up, and if he is in like the eight to ten to one range, you probably want to throw him in some of your exotics because he's honest and he could spice things up at a price. To close things out at Belmont, I thought public information was a single in the last. He was behind Kentucky Pharaoh, who came back to win a $75,000 stakes and was also behind a horse last time out um, when finishing third, who came back to uh, win a first-level allowance race recently at Tampa. So public information stumbled and then ran on really well to finish third in a field of 12, but after you miss the start like that, it's just... You know, you're you're up to the it's at the mercy of the field and them coming back to you. Public information, the two, is a horse who would be a late exotic single for me off that seven to two morning line. So yeah, nothing like big bust out as far as huge prices on Friday at Belmont, but maybe we could single against some of these shorter price favorites. Maybe we could take a swing against a couple of them in, in spots like with the BC Glory Days in the second, the the three slam dunk in the third, the seven kissing frogs in the sixth, and then a single of the uh, in the ninth race. The two public information there. Good luck on Friday over at Belmont Park as we get set to head to Saturday. We're going to talk about four different tracks for Saturday here on That's What G Said. But before we do, we're going to talk a little bit about Old Smoke clothing.com quality clothing and merchandise that horse racing fans and those who love the atmosphere and lifestyle of racing will enjoy so oldsmokeclothing.com is a website that was created just for this they love horse racing they're big horse racing fans and they realized there aren't a ton of really great places where you can get horse racing t-shirts sweatshirts hats hoodies all sorts of stuff like that Well, you can at oldsmokeclothing.com. And when you use the promo code GINO, 
free shipping on your order. Yep, free shipping on your order with the promo code G-I-N-O. They're actually named after Old Smoke John Morrissey, who's the founding father of Saratoga. Uh, Look this guy up. I mean, he was a a, a bare-knuckle brawler. He was a brothel bouncer, a cargo thief, a gang member. Uh, He was an undefeated bare-knuckle boxing champion. He served in the Congress and in the New York State Senate. So what a crazy life he lived, and that is the name of this company, OldSmokeClothing.com. It shows you they are true horse racing aficionados, and they just want to provide high-quality products rooted in the iconic symbols of racing and the racetrack experience. Promo code G-I-N-O gets you free shipping on your order. We're talking t-shirts, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats with Horse names, the names of big races, the names of big racing days. You can actually create anything you want with the custom designs. So let's say you and your friends uh, have a horse that maybe made you a bunch of money or uh, maybe the opposite, like a, a horse that didn't make you a bunch of money. Maybe you have a funny thing you say when you're rooting horses home or just a horse in particular, something that you want custom design, something for one of your friend's parties, a bachelor or bachelorette party. You want something uh, fun Old Smoke Custom Designs. Check that out. You can get anything you want made. Look at a lot of the collections they have. What about the Old Smoke Clubhouse? This is a quarterly delivery package system that you sign up for for $500 for the full year. You get four packages delivered to you throughout the year, and each of these packages will include a t-shirt only available to members, a horse racing themed gift. Once a year, you're going to get a piece of headwear only made for members, and outerwear, designer outerwear, only made for Old uh, old Smoke Clothing um, members, and you get 20% off all your orders, and then you get access to the Old Smoke Clubhouse Forum, which means that you are also going to be interacting and talking with other horse racing fans, other fans that play the races, and that have really cool stories to talk about, gambling tips to share, just like-minded people that you get to interact with. OldSmokeClothing.com So much to check out there And don't forget that promo code G-I-N-O Will get you free shipping on your order Let's get to Saturday Belmont Get those past performances out We are looking at April the 24th And I'm going to start in race number 1 With the 7 Bodie O He's 12-1 to on the morning line And I think if we can get like 8-1 to That seems fair So He's got the benefit of a race under his belt, and I think a couple of the major contenders in here, the horses who are going to take a lot of money, don't. You know, you'd imagine uh, First Captain, uh, Mahmel, and Pipeline are horses who are going to get bet quite a bit. But Bodie O debuted at Parks. He drew the rail, and he just he broke slowly. He took a few strides to get going from the inside. It's like eight or nine lengths off of it. And then he moved through and really started to get into a nice stride. He angled out at the top of the lane. Then he ducked back to the inside. He was just really green late. He just missed. I mean, it, it honestly looked like he won that race. And and that was going seven furlongs. So that's not an easy de- uh, distance to debut, like this distance here. That's why I prefer a horse with a little bit of experience than some of these first-time starters who are probably going to be a lot more talented down the line, but they may need a race or two for their best, and Bodie O could catch them right now. The number 7, Bodie O, in race 1 at Belmont on Saturday. 
Uh, just a, a logical, like, if you're looking for maybe an early exotic single, I thought English Breeze, second off the long layoff, back to the turf with some pace to chase. Uh, she obviously makes a, a ton of sense in here, would be, you know, maybe a horse to, to key in on some early exotics, but not one that I'd, I'd probably play to win. We move to the fourth race, and I've chased uh, I Hear You a few different times, and she has run into some legitimate trouble. She really, really has, and if she is in the 5-1 to one range, she makes a lot of sense against this group, and she is capable of a big effort and just needs a clean trip. I Hear You around 5-1. to one. Let's use the number 4 in race number 4, I Hear You. We move to race number 6 at Belmont Park on Saturday I'm looking at the 11. These are made in special weights. They're going a mile and a 16th on the turf course. And I thought Camby Lyon ran pretty well last time out at, at Gulfstream Park in February. So he was sixth. He was two deep, about five lengths off. He ended up making a three-wide move. But there was just like no passing going on in that race. The top two were top two all the way around. Now he adds the blinkers. He took a step forward that day. If he takes one more step forward... He will be right there. His career debut, he was against the very sharp Annex. Camby Lyon. I think he'll sit a little bit closer, maybe a little more focused with those blinkers on. If we can get 7-2, to I'm making a win wager on the number 11, Camby Lyon, in race number 6. We move to race number 7, and I'm looking at the number 7 in here. Wicked Trick. Just the way this race is going to shape up, Right? You got looking at bikinis, who's probably going to be asked for some speed because of the rail draw. You've got American Power, who's really quick. You've got Super Stonehenge, who's not exactly slow. He's probably going to be like not too far out of it. And I mean, that should set up pretty well for Wicked Trick, who's in really nice form right now. Linda Rice claimed this horse. He's done incredible work for her so far. He's going to go third start of the year, third start off the bench. Wicked trick, getting a nice trip in here. Six to one morning line. Anything around four to one, I'll make a win wager on Wicked Trick. We move to the eighth, the elusive quality, hundred thousand dollars stakes race, going seven furlongs on the turf course. There's no speed in here. I mean, there's very little early pace. I think proven strategies will enjoy this cutback to seven furlongs from the mile and a sixteenth in the last couple starts. Should have a couple lengths on this field early, no doubt about it. Proven strategies. I'm using an all-late exotics at 10 to 1 morning line. And then you've got Olympic Runner. I mean, here's my concern with Olympic Runner. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't play him to win because the way I think this race is going to shape up. I'm not sure if he's going to get the type of trip that he would need to win it. Because if nobody pushes proven strategies, it's probably not going to be a horse like Olympic Runner coming from way out of it to win. But he's way too high of a price in here for an honest horse. If he's over 5 or 6 to 1, he's worth using and throwing into some of your exotics at the very least in underneath spots. So, the number 2, proven strategies. If we can get over 5 to 1, I'll make a win wager. And I'm going to use in some under spots the, the number 5 Olympic runner 2-5 in this 8th race at Belmont Park. Those are our plays for Saturday over at Belmont. Let's head from Saturday Belmont to Saturday Churchill. I'm going to move to race number six at Churchill on Saturday, and I will start with Rye Humor. So, I mean, I don't really love anyone, um, like, at big, big prices at Churchill, just a couple sort of, like, shorter prices, but beating favorites. And Rye Humor is one of them who had a a slow start. It was Rye at the rear. He dropped. He was 
big 10 lengths out of it. Um, and he moved in between horses. He ducked to the inside. He angled out. It was not bad at all. The thing is, he needs the three inside horses to all show some speed in here to set it up because he has no speed at all. And if one of those horses to the inside is scratched, it's probably not going to set up for Rye Humor. Make sure this field stays intact. Make sure he's around 5-2 to two if you're going to make a win wager on Rye Humor. As we move to race number 7, mile on the turf course. Look at this first level allowance race. $118,000 purse. The, the 4, Fortuity, 7-2 on the morning line. He's going to make his third start off the bench. He's going to be making his third start now for Mike Maker. And he took a good step forward when he cut back from a mile and a half to a mile. It's easy to toss mile and a half races for horses. He was behind Churn and Burn, who came back out of that race to win next out. Fortuity split horses late. He's going to make his third start of the form cycle for Maker. It was a pretty fine third, and it really stacks up well with this group. If he's anything around 5-2, to two, I'll make a win wager on the number 4, Fortuity, who's 7-2 to two on the morning line. In race number 8 at Churchill, they're going to go a mile and a quarter here. And I thought the, the 6, Zuri, is a little bit interesting. So, Zuri, they paid a, mail, a million dollars for her. So, they obviously have high hopes for her. She is a half to point of honor, a half to wicked whisperer, two other winning siblings. She's going to wheel back in a few weeks and... She, I don't think she's quick because the, you know, she didn't show a lot of speed in her debut and the fact that they debuted her going long. But I think she's got some ability and she's probably naturally quicker than most of these. And I'm expecting them to put her right on the front end in here. Gaffleone sends hard with Zuri and nobody scares me in this field. Zuri tries to take them gate to wire. If she's around five to two, let's make a win wager on Zuri. The stakes race at Churchill on opening day is the William Walker, $150,000, five and a half furlongs on the turf course. The number three field day is four to one on the morning line. And at three to one, I will make a nice win wager on him. He feels like a late exotic single also for me. He was close up inside in his last start. He was third. He was in the two path. He was in between horses, about four or five lengths off. And then he got caught in a tight spot. He had to take up. He lost two lengths. He lost all momentum. Then he angled out. He came on again. It was solid. He can sit, but he's probably the quickest in here. That's the number three field day in race number nine at Churchill Downs in uh, a late exotic single for me. So those six, seven, eight, nine, uh, the sixth race, the number six, Rye Humor, the seventh, the number four, Fortuity, in the eighth, the number six, Zuri, and in the ninth, the number three, Field Day, as our plays for Churchill Saturday. Heading over to Santa Anita for Saturday. Now get the past performances out for April the 24th. Race one is the Crystal Water. It is a stakes race. I thought the one North County guy is going to be really, really tough as a chalk. So won't really spend a whole lot of time on that one. Maybe Irish Heat Wave underneath if you're looking to get a little value and maybe spice things up. But um, yeah, North County guy is going to be tough to kick things off right off the bat. My plays will start in the fourth. Let's go to George Herman Ruth, the babe. The number one. So, he had come off of a very long layoff. Take a look at at his three-race career. Career start number one, completely misses the break, put a line right through it, sprinting, he never had a shot. And that race came back really live with multiple next-out winners. Stretches out, career start number two in February of 2020. He runs really well that day. At 10-1, to he wins. He breaks his maiden against uh, Calbred Maiden Special Weights. And then he's off for 13 months from February of 2020 to March of 2021. And 
He was fourth inside, about five, six lengths off, and then he got stuck behind a 35 to one shot that started to back up, and he just was behind this horse, and as the horse backs up, he gets shuffled back and back and back and back and back. He ends up losing like four or five lengths in there, and he angled to the outside, and he ends up, you know, coming on again late. Now you get Rispoli, uh, Rispoli jumping aboard from the inside. You're going to save all the ground. I love the one, George Herman Ruth. He is eight to one morning line. If I can get anything over seven to two, I'm making a win wager on Babe Ruth in race number four at Santa Anita on Saturday. Let's move to the seventh at Santa Anita. So Money Mike's going to take some for Baffert. Flight Line's going to take some money for Sadler. Uh, Nate Smith makes a lot of sense, even though Pratt leaves here. And uh, you got uh, Bruto, who's going to take some money. I'm looking at Secret Weapon. So, I watched his work on April the 18th. This guy has something. Obviously, he's a $650,000 purchase, right? He's beautifully bred, first-timer for Callahan. He sort of, like, jumped a shadow late in his work, and then he got refocused right away. He looked really athletic and has looked excellent in the mornings. The number three, Secret Weapon. I'll be using an all-exotics. I'm going to make a win wager on him if he's anything over 3-1. to one. We move to the 8th race. It is the Grade 2 Santa Margarita. As time goes by and Harvest Moon, both came out of the Grade 1 Beholder Mile, uh, as did this T, um, and Clock Strikes 12. They were all behind Swiss Skydiver. But that was the first start for Harvest Moon of 2020. She had not started since the Breeders' Cup Distaff when she was 4th that day. And on March 13th, she stalked nicely in second. She was about a length off the leader, Golden Principle. She loomed up, and she was just a little bit flat. That was a tough spot for her, making her first start of the year and her first start since the Breeders' Cup. She was facing a tough group. She ran into a horse like As Time Goes By, who was in really nice form, and then Swiss Skydiver, one of the better horses in training right now and one of the better in her division. So, Orvis Moon, I'm expecting to really improve with that race under her belt. I think she's going to get a lot off of that. So Harvest Moon uh, is like a late exotic single. Probably not a horse I'll make a win wager on, but you know, maybe uh, as time goes by, just takes a ton of money, and, and then maybe we can play a little on Harvest Moon. I sort of feel the same in the 10th at Santa Anita, because Tigre de Slugo is going to take some money, but I much prefer Fashionably Fast who will probably be a little bit higher up on the board. So on January the 16th, he went six furlongs, and he was third, fashionably fast, and it was his first start since August, so he hadn't run in a while, and he finished right behind Tigre de Slugo. Then comes back and wins a Calbred Stakes, going a mile, and then fashionably fast was third behind Axeman and Restranged Vengeance last time out. Well, Axeman is a multiple stakes winner, and Restrained Vengeance has earned 600000 I'm going to talk about him in uh, a, a little later. So, I think Fashionably Fast sits a very nice trip. Slight cutback from a mile to seven furlongs. To me, Fashionably Fast is the one to beat. The number five in race 10 at Santa Anita. So, the four plays for me throughout the card. In the fourth race, the number one, George Herman Ruth. In the seventh race, the number three, Secret Weapon. And then in the eighth race, more of just a, you know, if you're playing the stakes, if you're playing the late races, I would single Harvest Moon, the four. And in the tenth race, the number five, Fashionably Fast. Anything around five to two, I'll make a win wager there. So that is Saturday over at Santa Anita. 
We are going to head to Golden Gate for Saturday. Six stakes races on the card at Golden Gate on Saturday. Get those past performances out for April the 24th. And let's head up to No Calbra. So those stakes races start in the 7th with the Golden Poppy. $75,000 up for grabs. I like the two, Colonial Creed. I just hope that she sits. Because it looks like Northwest Factor is probably a little bit quicker than her. And, and sitting second would be the perfect trip for Colonial Creed because Red Lark is a deeper closer in here. You, you don't have to worry about Mucho Unusual who defeated Colonial Creek in the, the uh, Colonial Creed in the last two. Um, I I respect Sloan Garden who you know just is not nearly as quick as Colonial Creed. And the way this race looks to shape up on paper, it's probably the one Northwest factor going and Colonial Creed stalking right behind. Now. I would not be shocked to see Edwin get aggressive on Colonial Creed. I just don't want him to get up in a pace battle. So I trust Edwin making that decision, and I hope he ends up either getting aggressive and getting in front of Northwest Factor, but the trip I would prefer would be sitting second right behind Colonial Creed. Uh, the number two, if we can get anything around 3-1, to one, I'll make a win wager. He's 9-2 to two on the morning line. She is 9-2 to two on the morning line. I will use two with 164, Northwest Factor, Sloan Garden, and Red Lark as the unders and exotics. I mean, Red Lark is a grade one winner. And she was, you know, graded stakes place last time out again. This just feels like a really good, sort of a softer spot for her to get a confidence building win. Two, Colonial Creed over 164. Moving to race number eight, and Parnelli will take a ton of money in here coming out of the Santa Anita Derby. But I'm going to go elsewhere. And I think Parnelli will have to deal with a horse like Jimmy Irish, who's going to be showing speed on the stretch out. Jimmy lost in space, making uh, his second start off the bench, making his second start in the U.S. now. He's going to try the synthetic here. But he just had no shot in the race he was in last time out. He got outrun a little bit early. He got to the inside. Then he was the outside. He was fourth. He was last. He was like three or four lengths off. He was chasing the lone speed three to five favorite that day in a field of four. Now he goes second start off the bench. Second time Callahan. Second time U.S. Expect a better effort from the one. Lost in space could be a big day for Tyler Bays heading up to Northern California. He is live in a lot of these stakes races right here on Lost in Space. Let's move to the ninth race. The Grade 3 San Francisco Mile. They're going to go that mile on the turf course. uh, $250,000 up for grabs. This race is another that looks like it has a pretty good amount of speed on paper. And I'm going to again go to Tyler Bays on Restrained Vengeance. He's a major player. He was second behind Axeman last time out. Now he goes back to the turf. The last time uh, we saw him on the grass was... Two starts back when he was behind North County guy who's favored in the opener and really sharp. And that was the first start for Restrained Vengeance in a few months. Prior to that, you see him behind Mo Forza a couple times. His grass form is sneaky good here. He needs a little bit of pace to chase, but I think he's going to get it. Kiwi's Dream has some speed. Keeper of the Stars, not really speedy, more like a tracking type. Whisper Not, though, is really quick. Diamond Blitz is quick. And Brown Storm is quick. Combinations of them all flashing speed. This thing should set up very well for Restrained Vengeance. 
And it should also set up well for Border Town. So I'm going to use those two in all exotics, 8-6. Border Town was five lengths off last time out. He was in between horses, seventh in a bit tight, moved to the inside, then had to wait behind horses, got some room inside, then had to, uh, again, kind of like slightly hesitate. But it, I don't think it would have mattered. He was a clear-cut second. Maybe he gets a little bit closer. Border Town should get a nice trip in here off the pace. Uh, others that I will uh, look to... Uh, keeper of the stars is super versatile. He can win. She can win and, and show uh, multiple dimensions. So that's a very, very nice five-year-old mare. The five Ohio ten-year-old who's going to go third off the long layoff would not be shocked to see uh, him show up with a good effort. And then Brown Storm. He's a pace horse who I think is pretty classy, and maybe he could win the battle of the pace horses and uh, and hang around for a piece. Let's move to the California Oaks race number ten at Golden Gate on Saturday. I'm looking at the four, Style Dome, who is going to be making her second start in the U.S. now. She was in that very same race behind Dujour that we were talking about, where she she was behind Lost in Space. Nobody had a chance to make up any ground there. They were all chasing the three to five favorite in a field of four. Now, look at the synthetic experience that she has. She's going to make her second start off the bench, her second start for Patty Gallagher, and she comes up to try a synthetic racetrack because she has run very well on synthetic tracks in the past, Style Dome is a must use for me. If uh, if we can get three to one, I'll make a win wager on Style Dome. Others to include in here: the nine Empire House for Jonathan Wong. I think the game plan has to just be send hard. Took a shot at Turf Paradise and just did not even show up and run well that day. Now they're going to come back and try to get aggressive here. The four Style Dome. I'll make my top selection along with the uh, the nine underneath and the seven Pizzazz, another one to include underneath. Four, nine, seven in the tenth there at Golden Gate. Moving along to race number 11. Again, we go uh, to Tyler Bays with the two. Storming Lady. Second start off the long layoff. Toss those races in the, in the middle of, of 2020, right? In May, completely brutal trip. Was actually favored and just had no shot Bumping all around, nowhere to go, backed up, came back in the daisy cutter, and that was a race that sent Storming Lady to the bench for from July to March. Just put a line right through both of them, and then look at how much better her form looks overall. She came back to race on March the 6th, she settled inside, four lengths off, It wasn't in the greatest spot, kind of in a little bit tight, she moved up to challenge, she had dead aim, didn't get the best finish, and now you're going to go to a... A journeyman rider, Tyler Bates, who's been around before and is a stronger finisher. And I'm expecting a big effort from her. Storming Lady. That was her first start off the bench. And now Tyler aboard to help improve and uh, to finish the deal here. Storming Lady over the 10. Uh, 210 for me. Acting out. Honest, logical, quick proven turf sprinter no knocks on acting out i just think storm and lady if she's anything over five to one i'll make a win wager on storm and lady closing things out at golden gate on saturday the 12th and final it is the lost in the fog six furlong sprint stakes i thought the six it felt like a pretty formful race the six baja sir and the nine uh landiscog i thought were the two most likely winners i'd slightly lean with baja sir because he has the recent race under his belt and he seems like he's a little bit more tactical whereas landiscog i think probably just wants to go and, and wants to send hard from the outside so i will use six nine and then the eight if you want to spice things up a little bit and you're looking for some sort of a price there maybe jam and eddie who's also in really nice form and could sit a nice trip so 
698 there in the 12th at Golden Gate to close things out on a really fun Saturday. So, quick little recap at Golden Gate in the 7th, the 2 Colonial Creed, 9 to 2 morning line. We won around 3 to 1 in the 8th. The number one lost in space. I need about five to two there. Uh, in the ninth race, Restrain Vengeance. The number eight, I would want about seven to two to make a win wager there. In the tenth, the four Style Dome. We need three to one or so. In the eleventh, Storming Lady at eight to one morning line. We need about five. And in the twelfth race, uh, pretty formful there with uh, with six nine eight. If Baja Sur is around that three to one, we will make a win wager on that one. Whoa, that was a lot. Of Saturday racing, and that was just me for all the races. I I didn't want to ask anyone to come on this week because I'm going to need a lot of people to help me out with the racing next week for the Oaks and the Derby. So I figured I'd uh, I take care of all the racing this week, and we'll get a bunch of guests to talk racing next week. We've got a guest to talk wrestling right now. Chad Cooper joins me. We talk about. The A&E documentary on Stone Cold We talk a little bit about some Ring of Honor news And some MLW news We uh, get into Friday Night Smackdown recap Monday Night Raw recap Tuesday Night NXT recap Wednesday Night AEW Dynamite recap Chad Cooper joins me for another installment of This Week in Wrestling Here it is folks Fight of the night I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, come down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. When you hear that lawnmower, you know uh, what time it is. You know that it's time for this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. I'm over here, and the the uh, the gardeners are finishing up. I've got Chainsaw Charlie out there. Terry, he's got the whole costume on, and we're ready to rock and roll. We've got a lot to talk about in wrestling this week, Chad. Uh, before we get into uh, the recaps, like we always do, uh, a little bit of news that I wanted to talk about. And actually, first, um, congratulations to uh, a couple of the. I mean, I don't, I don't like saying smaller because it sounds disrespectful, but a couple of the companies that aren't like the biggest wrestling companies because they've got some recent good news. Um, first, it looks like MLW is going to get a TV deal with Vice TV. I think starting May 1st, they're going to be showing some of their old footage, and then later in the year, they'll have some new stuff. And then over uh, with Ring of Honor, um, on Ring of Honor, they're going to have Women's Division Wednesday on their YouTube channel. So they're going to have a new women's match every Wednesday at 7 Eastern. Um, so some cool news for uh, some good wrestling companies that probably don't get as much mainstream pub as WWE or AEW, but they do some really good things in these companies. I believe MLW, their season, as they call it, uh, this one is about to come to an end. And if I'm not mistaken, either June or July, uh, they're going to they're going to start the new season yep. uh, uh, in Philadelphia. Um and allow fans in, so Which that will. It's uh, a great start for them, right? And it would—it's a great it, like, like um, a starting over point for TV. You know, uh, yeah. like a new season, like introduce everybody to your roster, to your fans, and this is good for them. I enjoy um what what MLW does too because they do really try to go in the hey we are not WWE we know we can't try to be we're going to be different. They try to have a very sports feel to them. Yeah, and I believe Vice, you know, uh. As an interesting channel it is They have been real happy with the dark side of the ring um, 
you know, numbers uh, yeah. that, on Vice TV. So, uh, you know, they're going to try to build off that. And then, uh, you know, with Ring of Honor, uh, you know, they're, they're going to revive this women's division. And Maria Kanellis is, is over that women's division. And uh, there's, you know, there's going to be some interesting people that become available this summer. Now, a lot of this footage has probably already been shot over the last couple of months. I know a couple of uh, wrestlers that went up there, uh, females that went up there. I'm not going to spoil it and say their names or, or what have you, but. Uh, some of that stuff has already been taped, but um, there, you're going to see some some interesting names and faces up there work that. And it's just uh, it's an interesting outlet uh, for them to do. And it's something different. And kudos. Uh, you, you can't go wrong with more women's division in wrestling. So Chad and I are talking on Thursday morning. And um, right now, the channel A&E is like really WWE heavy for the next couple months. Yeah. They Bobby. have... The documentary is going now every Sunday night, Chad. Last Sunday, we had the first documentary, and it was on Stone Cold Steve Austin. They're two-hour pieces. And, I mean, if you're a, a hardcore wrestling fan, you probably are if you're listening to this. You, you, you probably saw a lot of this information about Stone Cold in different places before. But I, I just, like, I'm a sucker for any time... They put something together like this um, And this was WWE and AEW Working together but I thought it was Very very good and what's Great Chad is uh, over the next You know two months so over the Next seven weeks we are going to be Getting uh, each week a different One of these and they're followed By uh, a show that's called um, <laughs> it, It's like a Pawn Stars kind of a show Where they have WWE legends Following uh, like going to look For old memorabilia It's called WWE most wanted Treasures so this is This will be fun for the next couple months uh, Being able to see um, Like a different wrestler focused on every week I think we've got Macho Man coming up This week May 2nd is Rowdy Roddy Piper May 9th Booker T May 16th Shawn Michaels May 23rd Bret Hart May 30th Mick Foley and June 6th the Ultimate Warrior so a a pretty good list Yeah AEW does a you know, I, I'm a fan of that channel. They do a great job with their reality docu-series that they do anyway. And to see their kind of spin on a little bit and not just be 100% pro, everything is great. That's, that's what makes it better. That's WWE better. can can spin things quite a bit when sure. they do their documentaries, which you would expect when they create them. But sure, seeing one that's a, right. a little objective is, is better, you know? Right. It was really good. It's a little long. It was a little long, but you know what? You know, it was it was good. Um, and, and then the treasure show. I'm a sucker for storage wars. Pond I love stars. those things. Me too. Uh, it's you it's know uh, American, American pickers. pickers. Yeah, you know it's yes. it Frank and so, Frank going to look for uh for their stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's what. That's why you know, even though this is not the WWE Network, but this is we've said this all along. Especially me, I've driven this home. This is what separates WWE from the rest of the group. Is yeah. these are the things. I like to see, I, you know, that warehouse with, I, I mean, dude, imagine walking through there and seeing every title, every Undertaker casket, every, you name it, it's in there and, and getting access and seeing that and then seeing them interact with the fans, McFoley going out and saying, hey, we'll give you 2500 bucks and you, I'll come watch WrestleMania. It's just a different side of this industry. And I think that's one that's probably should have been shown years and years ago, but I love it. I'm a sucker for it. And I'll be watching. I'll be spending my Sunday evenings watching Annie. 
Oh, can't look forward to a chat with you about uh, Randy Savage, and we see he's one of my all-time favorites. So we'll get some good stuff on Macho Man for next week. Let's head back to last week and talk a little bit about SmackDown. It was the SmackDown after WrestleMania, but um, we didn't really see uh, some of the major players in here. But right off the bat, um, we got Cesaro starting to interact with Roman Reigns, and throughout the show. It felt like they're starting to build up Cesaro as perhaps a uh, a contender for Roman Reigns. Did get some involvement with Seth Rollins at the end there. So, what's interesting? Anytime Seth is somewhat involved in and it's and it can can like impact Roman, we're all going to ask those questions, like <laughs> Shield questions, right? Or are they on the same team? Are they against each other? Was this just sort of sort of a coincidence? And Roman and Seth have nothing to do with each other. Um, but it, it it always is funny when they're like sort of uh, like six degrees of separation, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I love the elevation of Cesaro. You know what? What five, ten years too late or whatever it is, but now's the time, you know. And I'm okay with, you know, throwing throwing Seth Rollins a little bit in the mix. They ha- hell, look, they had the, a, an amazing WrestleMania match. It's going to be hard to recreate that uh, on another pay per view. View. I could see them maybe going at it again um, on SmackDown. Seth saying, "Hey, look, you know, maybe you know I deserve a title shot. Maybe you know it's you and I, or whatever it is. You know, here's the situation. Let's not force feed Cesaro to Roman Reigns right off the bat. Now, if you're yes. going to go with Cesaro winning the title, that's one thing. Let's not build it, build it, build it, and boom, they have a match at, at this next pay per view, and then uh, or, or the following, you know." Let this can be built. This I like the tease built. of it. I know where yes. you're going. Yeah, this it's like a, built. it's like a good feeler. You put this out there, but then it's like, okay, hey, um, Cesaro still got a little unfinished business with Seth, you know. Right. So right. let let's maybe on the next pay per view he can get through him, and then you can elevate him, um, yeah, along the way. I like yeah. that. Um, I do, and and it, and you'll probably get something with Ed, uh, with Edge still and Roman. We didn't see Edge or Daniel Bryan. Um, you have to imagine there'll be some unfinished business there. Um, he'll probably try to get his one-on-one match or something. So, uh, yeah, we like Cesaro. Hope, uh, fingers crossed, knock on wood. Um, hope he'll continue to be like slotted in here because at the very least, like, give me some Cesaro Rollins matches and some Cesaro Reigns matches, and you know those are going to be good matches. Oh, look, and it's fresh. I mean, we, I mean, exactly. It's new. Many, it's not how many times. Yeah. Yeah. How many times have we seen Cesaro reigns? You know, I, uh, I can't I, remember like ever in a meaningful, uh, you know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. that's why this is a, this is a story. This is a feud that can be built and anticipated. Let's just, you know, let's not, I, I don't think we have to worry about Cesaro and Roman reigns teaming up on a SmackDown you know, to go against, you know, Roman Reigns is not that type. This slow build could be a huge match for both of these guys, especially for Cesaro. So uh, it, it seems like on SmackDown and then even uh, on Raw a little bit, it was almost like they're trying to rehab a few guys. Like Rey Mysterio gets a win. Sure. We haven't seen sure. Rey getting wins at all. He's been like no. losing to Otis no. repeatedly, and he's looked like, you know, not like a winner for a while. But uh, but Rey gets a victory here. Uh, we then got uh. A Sammy KO rematch, which was a uh, a little bit of fun. They showed a lot of the the, the Logan Paul stuff, and uh, I mean, we got it for a moment since we're we're here now. We're talking about Logan Paul. We got it for a second. Talk about the Jake Paul fight over the, the weekend, if we can even call it that. I mean, 
we're wrestling fans. How often does somebody say to you, oh, you like that fake stuff or that scripted <laughs> stuff? Man, what we watch is way less scripted than what happened over the weekend, huh? Man, <laughs> I'll tell you this much. Kudos for the pro- the production was phenomenal. It was. It was. But- and Snoop is great. Like, it- it's fun to watch. The event is fun, and it feels different. It's not like a stuffy sporting event, but right. but, <laughs> but the I don't actual know. match. Look, 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 we had... We had everyone, everyone in concert, you know, it goes up to it's head to head with UFC, the both main events, uh, whether or not the main, you know, the referee, it, it was just Ben Askren was never going to win. And now everyone and their brother is lining up, you know, wanting to fight. Now we hear there's Floyd Mayweather's got a chance. He's called out, you know, Paul has, has, has called out Daniel Cormier. Um, uh, you know, this guy will probably be involved with WWE down the road. I, that's how that's this is where we're at with professional boxing. That's how bad professional boxing has been over the You're last right. couple of years. It's not a draw. No. So this is what, you know, here's Mario Lopez going live on, on Instagram and all these people are taking shots. It was entertaining. The actual event itself, the, the, the matches, the fights were horrible. They were supposed to be good. They were bad. They were boring. And then the main event was just, just numb. It was, it was pitiful. So uh, we continue. <laughs> we continue on with SmackDown. Um, we got introduced to uh, Commander Aziz, um, who is uh, Daba Kato. So Big E, uh, you know, talked about their uh, uh, their history, uh, saying that he's a former member of the Nigerian Elite Guard, and that he will be uh, protecting him. So hey, you know what? Like this is something that's so like late eighties WWE. Sure. But yeah. but. The reason why I'm okay with it is because it's actually real. Like this stuff is real. Both of these guys are like have actual like African royal blood, and um, everything that they're saying about Dabakato, uh was was actually real. So like this is an angle that I think Apollo has to be happy about and has to be excited for this character change. I mean, think of think of who Apollo was before this. He was just smiling Apollo Cruz, who was. You know, he'd get a match on Raw or SmackDown here or there, and then he'd be back on main event, and we wouldn't ever hear from him. He's actually a major player here, and I don't like. I don't know. I don't. This this doesn't like rub me the wrong way or anything. I like this. No, it's new, and I was going to say the same thing. I mean, Apollo's great in the ring, but do we remember the smiling Apollo? No, not really. We know he got. You know, his storylines were were awful. He would have a good match and disappear. And be back and disappear, then chasing the 24-7 title around the ring. You know, he was involved with that. No, this is completely different. It's new. It's fresh. Let him run with it. You know, it was time to give him a title um, with a a new persona, and it fits him perfectly. I'm perfectly fine with this. So uh, we got Bianca uh, cutting a little promo and talking. She get, she like teased maybe getting a little bit of that cocky side back to her <laughs> in this, where she was like, you know, a year ago, would I have thought this would be me? Yes, <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> but but she's great. And um, uh, and then Sasha was you know came. Uh, she had her little like promo where she really didn't say anything, but all she uh, was doing was showing the mark on her stomach. From right. the hair strike from Bianca, she uh, kind of just stomps off. So that was cool. And then it looks like Bailey might be uh, be thrown into the mix here because Bailey wants to challenge Bianca. So um, Sasha and Bianca maybe adding Bailey into the mix to either maybe like for a month here 
Or maybe they they have some sort of a triple threat But throwing Bailey in the mix I don't think will will hurt this And um, the like I feel a lot better about their build post mania than I did about their build to mania <laughs> right now. You yeah, know? And, and you know uh, Bailey has been one of those that she drops the title. Her and Sasha were best friends, and Bailey didn't sit on the side and sulk. You know, um, Bailey says, "Okay, I'm going to go with what I'm giving," and I think we can uh, look. We love Bailey. We love what she yep. did during WrestleMania. And I think this is kind of a Daniel Bryan esque third wheel a, to put in. To put in great that comparison, match. yeah. You know, great comparison. So, so if it's at uh, if it's at WrestleMania Backlash, we we have a triple threat, or we you know, I, I am perfectly fine with that because I like her. I like the way she talks on the mic, her persona. I like her her new gimmick. Um, I'm perfectly fine with it. This is this is a good deal. That's that's a that's a triple threat I could definitely get involved with. Me too. And I like this like forcing like a Carmella or forcing someone that just you don't feel belong there because hey, hey look, Bailey was a champ for forever. She belongs. You're right. And yes, and, absolutely. And, and and a loss is not going to hurt her in any way. No, not at no, all. No, you know what I mean. And and maybe that's the way of doing it is that you know Bailey gets beat and then you can kind of like sort of keep Sasha and Bianca on ice for. Yeah. Six months, eight months, sure. a year down the line Whenever you want to revisit that for another big, big match You know, so that might be a really good way of doing it um, The SmackDown Tag Champs It just, it feels like we haven't seen these guys all that much You know, or like gotten yeah. a big focus Like, I love all four of these guys Love Rude, love Ziggler Street Profits are great I just hope now, maybe they can get a little bit more time And a little bit more emphasis on the show moving forward Because it, they just kind of feel like an afterthought right now yeah, I, I, I'm a Dolph Ziggler guy. It seems like the tag team titles have kind of just, uh, uh, of all the titles in WWE, both Raw and SmackDown. Where's I, AJ and almost been? <laughs> I don't know. That's, you haven't seen them look, since they won. Look, you talk about back burner. I mean, these titles have been right? put on the back burner. And AJ, we know he's 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 Hall of Famer. Rude and Ziggler are great. Ziggler needs to be on TV every week. I don't know what's going on here. I don't even know where to guess or even fantasy book, but uh, I, I just this is what is puzzling me with the WWE with these tag team titles. Either somebody tested positive, somebody's hurt on that Raw side between eight. I, I don't know. We haven't even got a vignette really of anything. Even the Raw, which we'll get to in a second, was much better than the Mania after Raw, and we yeah. still didn't get answers from that side. But no. you know, if we get to see Rude and, and Dolph on TV more, that's fine. You know. There's not a whole lot of tag teams out there You no, know There's like, just not there, We should be seeing them Like th- that's why I don't I don't really love what they did with the Hurt Business You know no, like no. They've made them seem like a joke yes. Right after they le- they left Lashley And it's like Shelton and Cedric Could be a really legitimate tag team They are like they're They should be one of your like top five tag teams That's always sort of in the mix for a Like a tag team title opportunity And now you you make them look kind of like a joke after losing to the Viking Raiders and in back-to-back situations. Um, let's get the over it. Yeah, look, and, you know the same with New Day. Look, they could a promo on, you know, and I'm not a New Day fan, never have been. But the 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 day after Mania, these guys come on TV, okay, on SmackDown and and Raw, and say we still want the Raw Tag Team titles. And then they lose. And then they lose in a match. So it, And then Kofi loses. To Elias so like, clean. Yeah, and look, I love Elias. I've, I've walked with Elias from day one. I have video on my phone of a house show with this guy when he, he was in a program with Seth Rollins. 
But man, we need to, I mean, we need, maybe they're going to build him and Riker. I, I don't know, but the tag team division is, is lacking really, really bad in WWE. And it just seems like they have no idea which way to go. Okay. So uh, Drew opened up Monday Night Raw and uh, he was talking to MVP a little back and forth. He right. actually ends up getting attacked by T-Bar and Mace uh, uh-huh. again. And he, he, you know, like, I don't, I like, I actually like the fact that T-Bar and Mace are now unmasked. Like, these Love guys it. are, are yes. both m- going to be much better as versions of themselves. And they did a good job of making them not seem like as much of a joke when they were in the match with McIntyre. Yes, and they didn't. And then, then with Strowman. Yes. Um, it's just like some small quirks like we always have with WWE. It's like they they have this match with McIntyre two-on-one, and then there's a DQ. They don't really tell us why. Then Strowman shows up. He's on Drew's team, and then there's another DQ. It's yeah. just like I know they didn't really want either of these guys to lose. Um, it just small things, but I do like the fact that they maybe they're a tag team that they're going to try to build up, you know, moving forward because those guys could could be they've just been such a joke for a while now. Like we're going to have to try to forget. Oh yeah, like Mustafa Ali just used to kind of crap all over these guys in the in the ring, you know. <laughs> um, so like it did feel like with. With those two guys, they were presented way differently than they've ever been before. They were presented as actual threats, like you know, and not a joke. Same thing with Elias. Like like we said, Elias gets a win. We were talking and uh, and kind of joking about it in our uh, in our chat. I forgot what Elias' finishing move was. Yeah. I didn't even know. I can't remember the last time I've seen him pin somebody. Well, <laughs> you know, he's been the the laughing stock. You know, he you know, with the sidekick uh, of Shane McMahon through this Braun, you know, WrestleMania buildup fiasco. But, you know, the retribution could, you know, started so strong and then it just went left uh, and then right. And there was no in between. There was one member that was there one week and, and then uh, Mia Yim was involved and she wasn't. But, you know, it's a positive that these two guys are now gonna break away i think hopefully from that they're unmasked which is a million times better i didn't like that gimmick it kind of hides their persona uh that guy dominic jacobic was has has been amazing and he's great in the ring yeah nxt so hopefully hopefully now he gets time to shine um you know I, I don't think we see Mustafa Ali come back with these two. If we do, then we're in trouble. It's just going to go nowhere. But, yeah. you know, quickly back to Elias. Hey, look, man, you know, I, I, I'm for Elias, and all of a sudden he gets a win over Kofi. I, I mean, I'm okay with it. It just, it just, I just want some consistency. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to go with Elias, the, the, the problem that I, that I think what really hurt Elias first is no crowds. Oh, right? big. Because time, he, time, he, he is the one that live shows, live events, yep. he's always getting cheap heat or even funny laughs, depending on what you know, like what he is, you know, face or heel. But I think no crowds hurt him. And the issue that I like, it's like they've never Elias is never in a feud. That's no. the problem. It's like no. he'll have a match or two on Raw or on SmackDown, but it's never like Elias is in this feud that has a, a match that leads to pay-per-view that kind of builds to something. They've got to do that with him. Kind of give him he a, a champion too. Right? Uh, like uh, it was he IC or the United States champion yeah, and you don't even really for a while, right? 24/7. Yeah, I mean, but it's it just he 
he can be he can be used better. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just a consistency. So if you're gonna go with Elias and make him like like a mid-card title contender, that's fine. Give him some wins and help him stack some of them up and not look like such a joke there. Um, we mentioned the Viking Raiders. They got they got a win, so we'll probably see them uh in line to get a, a, a raw tag team title shot coming up soon. And then we got RK Bro backstage <laughs> <laughs> with uh listen, like depending on who is listening, you may like or may not like the character of Riddle. It's been just, in my opinion, terrible. It's like they're trying to make you hate the guy. But then the bell rings. And he's fantastic. He's an animal. <laughs> he is. This was a really good match between these two. And it almost, yeah, it um, I can't remember who one of our buddies that said it. Like, you could almost see the relief on Randy's face to just like, oh, I, I'm working in a ring with an actual wrestler and not like an evil demon spirit fiend. Right. <laughs> you know, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a fantastic match. Orton is, uh, you know, look, one of the best ever. I mean, that just top five for me, always has, always will be. Um, and, and it was something fresh him, him versus Riddle was something that, 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 you know, it's a veteran versus a younger guy. Um, whether you like the results or not, I'm okay with it. You know, jumping all around here. It's like Christian cage on AEW. He should have not went over a uh, powerhouse Hobbs. No. I, that's just me. I thought Hobbs should have, and rightfully so. I thought it was a good win for Riddle because uh, Orton doesn't need to be de- just, Devouring, defeating everyone it, That defeats the purpose in itself And that's why I love Randy Orton He does not have to win every match And he looks so damn good losing too That's why it doesn't bother me at all And I think this will lead to a pay-per-view match And I'd like to see yes. these guys go 15-20 minutes You know, that's like true. I think um, Randy actually tweeted uh, uh, On 420 uh, Like, yeah. RK bro <laughs> You know, like, which I thought was really funny Because uh, Randy is one that's had his issues With the, uh, the Mary Jane uh, also in the past So, uh, I'm sure him and Riddle like uh, Have probably uh, puffed on a blunt or two Together in, the, in their day So, uh, we uh, We got to uh, Nia Shayna um, That split's they, coming, right? Yeah, that split's coming because they keep losing And Shayna's getting pissed off And yeah. Nia is more focused, it seems, on uh, Either Reginald or uh, Angel Garza Who's now see that, he's back yeah. Yeah, and he said, uh, I do not know what you see in that original, you know, and uh, he, so he's uh, coming coming with the uh, the Latin lover um, uh, style gimmick here. So, um, yeah, th- this is a, I mean, I-, I guess it feels like they've been together for a while, uh, yeah. Shayna and, uh, and, and um, uh, Naya, and I just, like, Shayna needs to be doing more. Instead of losing to... Uh, Naomi and, and Lana and Daddy in like singles yeah. matches here and they Roll were getting ups, rolled up and stuff. She's like, a badass. Don't don't. Now she's become a joke in this tag team. Don't do know? that to her. No, you, you can't. You can't. Whether you like it or not, you can't do this to her. So hopefully we'll get singles from her. And it looks like we're getting a female version of uh, of Bray Wyatt for the women's division with Alexa. With Alexa. Uh, Alexa fiendish Alexa, where yeah. she's got her. Um, She's got her her is that Lily? Doll, Lily, who she says uh, she says when she was young, a girl was mean to her on the playground, and wouldn't let her have a bite of her ice cream cone. And Alexa says, "I pushed that little bitch off the swing." <laughs> I, I, it was funny because I was sitting here watching with my girlfriend, and I I just like wasn't re- ex- like 
expecting that to be the next line when she just like I pushed that little bitch off the swing. It was it was pretty funny how she uh, how she changed and um hey at least like th- this is something that'll be a little different than the her and Bray stuff. Yeah, I almost wonder with Alexa for a while. You know she had the concussions and sure. um and I wonder if that was like a thing that. Uh, they were a little bit nervous about having her in the ring repeatedly, but they like her so much as a performer. We want to keep her on TV, so um, we'll see which direction they go here. That doll looks creepy as hell. She's got this little doll that was sitting next to her named Lily. So, <laughs> and I could see I, look, and I could see her terrorizing the women's division without actually having to wrestle either. You know, if, right? if she have some, she have some, you know, some upstairs injuries, brain, head, neck, or anything like that still lingering. This is a way to keep her on TV and just uh, terrorize people like Bray does. God, how how good is Maurice, and how much better does uh, she make uh, the Miz feel? Like I, I like Miz and Morrison together. He's great, absolutely, absolutely. But, but Maurice, like she's amazing. She makes the package complete with him. And when they get in the ring together and they're like kissing each other and people just are like, oh, God, you know, like they're just they know exactly what to do to make you want to like vomit or like roll your eyes or just get like get get the perfect kind of heat. Um, and uh, we'll probably get some sort of Miz versus Damian Priest moving forward, even though Priest already did get a win. And hell, man, Bad Bunny, his ticket sales went on sale on Ticketmaster and they crashed the freaking Broke. website. First time ever yeah. And I believe they said it was the hottest Selling tour instantly In like three years um, Right off the bat just to show you I mean this guy I I didn't even realize the other day like I'm watching and it's like Oh he's in a Corona commercial with Snoop Like yeah. <laughs> what the hell I, You know what I mean like he's everywhere You know look that's one Guy the door is always open and we, we would, yeah. We're probably going to see him Eventually down the road again Summer maybe. Slam. Well, he's on tour, but it'll like another mania. He'll show up again sure. for sure. Yeah, but back to Maurice and Miz. Their show is great. They're great together. I missed her as a champion. I missed her as a valet. Not only is she great to look at, but her mannerisms, the way she, she says something in stuff. French. You know what yeah, I mean? She'll just, like, just, yeah, it just makes uh, you want to let you love to hate her. You know, it's great, great stuff here. Um, yeah, we, we talked about that uh, Elias match. Um, we spoke about uh, Alexa. Um, and then uh, the uh, Naya Shayna split that looks inevitable. We had that two on one handicapped T bar and Mace versus uh, versus Drew. And then Braun got into the mix with Drew there. Uh, Priest got his victory over the Miz. And then Sheamus, <laughs> Sheamus as the uh, the U.S. Open challenge. So I'm thinking like, oh, babyface Sheamus, he's gonna come out here and do the John Cena, right? We're gonna get like somebody's returning. It almost felt like it was gonna be in the main event slot, you know? And it's like, oh, great. And then uh, Humberto Carrillo comes out. Who, damn, he looks fantastic too. He does. He he's looks in great. Great shape. But Sheamus just beats the crap out of him before the match can start. So I wonder if this is either going to set up a feud with Carrillo or maybe this is just going to be something that Sheamus does every with week these, with these open yeah. challenges, like tries to attack someone who comes out. Yeah. I can see a Drew Gulak, those type, you know, come to the yeah. ring. Uh, yeah. It, 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 yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's look, I like Sheamus on either side, but I, look, I've liked this, this, this Sheamus, this gimmick. And if, if they keep doing this, I can buy into it. Me too. Build I like up to it. a bigger match. You know, I, yeah. I like a squash match. There's gonna, there. There, there will be the, this will be a good build because if he keeps doing this, it'll be the inevitable. Somebody 
that yes. finally comes out and kicks his ass, or yes. one of these guys that he's kicked their ass before, like maybe it's Correo up two months down the line or whatever, they turn the tables on him. So right. There's, right. there's a couple ways they can go with it, and it's perfect. Sure. It's a it's a great gimmick for a heel. Yeah, this yeah, open is. challenge, you know. And speaking of heel, we got Charlotte. Wow, uh, <laughs> Charlotte looking total heel. Um, uh, she got pinned and a backslide pin, and she was pissed off because she thought it was uh, a, a you know a bad call by the ref, which it kind of was, you know. Sure. So, anyways, she beats the absolute crap out of some of these officials. Like Dude. this was stiff, man. She beat that poor dude. I, I can't remember what which official it was, but there were blows to the back of the head that I have seen UFC fighters get DQ'd for in title matches. And uh, look, this this I, look, you know my stance on Charlotte. I've always respected her. I get tired of her, not again. But I'm glad we're going with a different type of Charlotte here. Yes. You know, if yep. we're gonna do something with Charlotte. Let's do it. Now you quote unquote suspended her again. You know, look, her and Oscar was better than Oscar and Rhea. Much better you know, on Raw. I'm just telling you that right now. And that, you know, does this kind of make Rhea look a little weaker? It does, so to you speak? know what? It, I hate to say yeah, that, but it did. It does. Oh, you're right. It does. She's kind of like um just like the bystander right now. Yes, you know? and I didn't it's like called, that. Like, I didn't like me that. Me neither. I I didn't like that. I do like this. Um, I think it was Wade Keller or, or somebody that I, I, I had read or was listening to that they said um, somebody said to them, well, you know, Charlotte kind of like Roman and Wade just stopped and said, here's the difference, right? Like Charlotte's a Charlotte's a heel and Roman's a heel now. Like when they're shoving a baby face down your throat that you don't want, that's different. A heel right, is, right. is, you know what I mean? Like being right. a heel and acting like a heel, that's fine. And I love that she's out on the boat with Andrade yes, posting yeah. like. Hey, I'm oh suspended. well, this is what happens. Me, yeah, you know. So, <laughs> I think the one problem that they have in this is that they have not done a great job with Rhea. No, and I'm I'm concerned. I'm concerned there because they don't. They will. It seems like now they're not. They don't sit on you very long. If something nope. goes awry, uh, you'll get rolled up. Or we're not talking about Io Shirai. Io Shirai. <laughs> no, no, which cut a, which which she cut a great promo uh, in NXT, and it looks like she may be coming up. She's going to take some time off. There, there's probably going to be a decision ma- made whether she comes up or she stays down there. But man, it just it, 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 with her outside the ring and trying getting involved a little bit, man, she sure seemed like the third wheel, the odd man out, didn't she? Yeah, she did, and I think with you know. I, I think the initial plan with Rhea was that she wasn't supposed to come up until after Mania. And, okay. and I think yeah. that yeah. when the stuff happened with Lacey, the stuff happened with Charlotte, and you don't know if either one of them are, you know, Charlotte has the medical stuff, Lacey got pregnant. So then it's almost like, okay, we got to throw Rhea in there. And, you know, they didn't have very much build to their Mania match. We all just kind of assumed that it was going to be a good match because both Rhea and Oscar are so great. And, Neither of the matches were incredible. Like no, the Mania match was fine. It wasn't bad. The Raw one was bad, though. Yeah, it was bad. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm. I mean, we'll we'll see. I just hope like the the promo Rhea cut last week was not good. Felt like no. she was reading off a of cue cards. Just yes. let her be herself a little bit. I'm yes. I'm concerned. I hope Vince will do that with uh with Rhea here. So uh, we move from Monday night or uh, one one other thing. No Bobby Lashley. Z- uh, yeah. <laughs> Right, like no Lashley on the show at all. Yeah, built around Drew. 
Yeah. So um, I, that was noticeable because we haven't seen, we didn't see Lashley, we didn't see the tag champs on that show either there. Um, but we moved to Tuesday night, and oh god, we'll say it again. I just I love the the Tuesday versus Wednesday now instead of both shows on Wednesday. Like I so enjoy them both so much more. And uh, NXT is was very good. Like this was a really good wrestling episode of NXT. We kicked things off with cool Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> People are <laughs> laughing because they're thinking that he's trying to be a little Orange Cassidy, but he needs he needs some personality, and I'm he fine does. with. Trying some personality and if it doesn't Work that's you know we'll, we'll go in a different direction because he's great When you get in the ring and The personality for uh, a Lot of the night was with Cameron Grimes who uh, talked about How he made a bunch of money betting On DraftKings with Kyle <laughs> O'Reilly At Wrestlemania <laughs> And he's talking about like NFTs and stuff and um, Uh it, Kyle, uh, so they had a little back and forth, and they talked about how they're going to uh, have a match, uh, or you know, Gr- Grimes is his first opponent, so they have a, ma- a match later on at night. So that was fun. And then in in a backstage promo, um, he mentioned that he got outbid for a new NFT by Ted DiBiase. Love it, and love it. I've actually looked this up that Ted DiBiase has said he's going down there to work with him. That, uh, you know, look, when, when, when Grimes was, look, I always liked Grimes. He was good in impact. Um, he was kind of lost in the mix, though, not, not booked real well there. Um, comes over here, good wrestler, different look, got the long hair, the southern accent, you know, so, like Stone Cold Steve Austin said in, in the documentary. So, you know, sometimes when you go up to WWE and who's this southern boy with this accent, you know, uh, kind of like a country guy like me, you kind of get lost in like, what do we do with this guy? He's different. Then they repackage him. And from what I was told, he actually did, you know, earn a ton of money with these, uh, with these currencies and these coins and all this. And then he comes out with this gimmick and I said, man, he's the new million dollar man. They, they, they've Just got this, this guy's, you know, and now he mentions him in a promo. So we definitely have to have them, on TV at the same time, that, that grind, and then the match was fine. The match was great because both. Well, he's them. really good in the ring too. That's yes, the thing. Yes. Like, yes, he, he is, is a, a an excellent wrestler, and um, I, I got a feeling that Vince is gonna like this guy. Mm-hmm. I do. Like, I got. I mean, he. I don't know why I I get like a Miz feeling with him. Yeah, with he's so good. He's comical. He is, man. I mean, but he's a way good. better wrestler than the Miz. Like he way, I, and I mean, I'm not like not like Miz is like. Oh no, sure, love the Miz. Miz is fine, but Miz. like Grimes is a legitimate can go in the ring guy. But the character work he's doing, is so good. Like this gimmick could be great on the main roster, and it could be fun. But then he's a guy who could you could throw in the ring, and you could turn him babyface, and then he could the crowd will get behind him because he'll go in the ring. So I mean, there's money with this guy. There really, yeah, really is. And um, hey, I think there's some money with LA Knight too. So it looks like they're yeah, starting to yeah. slow build up with him. Um, you know, he's inc- like he reminds me a lot of the Rock on the on the mic. Nobody's as good as the Rock, but just kind of like the way he talks, right? Like the the way he makes every word so important, and you yes, feel it like it when he's talking. You know, it's like and a, it makes and it makes you pay attention. A lot of guys are, and gals get on the mic, and you're like, "Yeah, this is terrible. I don't care what she says." This guy demands and commands your attention when he's on the mic. I love it, and he got the win uh, over uh, over Dexter Loomis, and uh, hopefully he'll continue to get built up. Uh, Leon Ruff, Swerve Scott, they had a great match, so they're they're 
going to probably continue their feud And I think uh, see if they can get another good one out of there And then you mentioned the the EO sit down interview I thought this was really good with uh, with yeah. Beth I thought Beth did a great job here too um, And uh, they were doing some of these with Samoa Joe uh, a few weeks back with uh, on NXT too, um, and I think these are good. They give you an opportunity to sort of get a little different side of someone, and then um, uh, we got her uh, interrupted by Frankie Monet. <laughs> so uh, I think we'll either get Frankie and EO um, to to send EO away or to send yes. EO back up. But um, hey, it shows you that they think very highly of Frankie that that they're gonna have her be interacting with EO. You know, uh, look, it, it goes back to you know Monet's debut, which was last week, and it kind of got overshadowed. You know, she introduced herself to the champion, and then you know Bianca and Rhea come out. The one thing I don't want to happen is Frankie, uh, aka Taya. Is don't immediately put her in a title match, you know, but she's not going to beat Raquel. And I don't know if she needs to beat Raquel anytime, but don't do that on a build up over the last several weeks and these vignettes. And we cite her, let her get a win over EO. EO's been the champion. Like she said, I am tired. I don't need the belt. I need a break. Frankie needs to go over her and we need to build Frankie in a different way, right? And, I, you know, if you want to elevate her up to a Raquel, Title match, that's fine, but I don't think that's the story on for Frankie uh, Monet right now. I think she no. needs to go through the women's roster and have some feuds with some of these girls. Yeah, we gotta find, we gotta know who she is, right? We gotta find out who she is. Let's see her in the ring f- for a little bit, and like we can get Frankie, you know, started out and picking up some wins along the way. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, y- you watch a-, a show like this, and and when they put. They put so much focus on their women Because they're so talented, right? I mean, we've got a sit-down with EO We've got Frankie coming here in the mix We've got all the stuff with The Way With Candice and Indy That they're having throughout the show We've got, um, you know, uh, Mercedes Martinez Trying to come after Raquel I mean, like, we got Dakota in the mix with them too There are just so many super talented women Tony Storm is getting involved Like, it's so, just great stuff yeah, it, I lo- love that she's back, man. Love that she's back. I didn't even mention uh, uh, Saray, who we're going to talk about in a minute too, who, who debuted. So yeah, it was um, a great show. It really it was, was. It, it, really it, good it, show. It yeah, uh, grizzled young veterans got the victory over Brizongo in a in a fun tag, um, and then uh, we got the Saray versus Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark looked really good. There were a couple times where I I thought I know they're not, but is Zoe Stark going to win this match? You know, like <laughs> it almost felt like that. Um, this was really good, and I think you said it to me the other day. We gotta say, we gotta talk about Oscar, Kyrie Sane, Io Shirai. WWE has, and and we gave Triple H credit. Got to give William Regal a lot of the credit too. Oh yeah, they go and find these incredible women's talents from Japan, from Asia. They've brought them over, and they've done a great job of. Presenting them even some of these women That can't cut long promos They will still either give us Subtitles or short Little bursts Of phrases and things that um, Don't make them feel like They're trying to cut a 20 minute Promo and, and it makes them like look Lost they've just presented these women really Well yeah they look They've, they've just done the better job they uh, look not taken away from any of the Japanese talent in any other wrestling promotion, namely AEW, because they have a lot that, that's their champion. 
but who's more memorable for you? Who who are you remembering matches, uh, title matches, debuts? And and this was just a great debut for her. She's, you know, I, I've never been a fan of the Japanese style, but it just seems like WWE have 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 the better whether it's luck, uh, the better scouting reports. I, I don't know, but they, they have been much better at bringing those specific Japanese wrestlers over here to the United States and introducing them to the main us in the mainstream crowd. And they're better and they go over on the WWE side of things, not taking away from AEW. It's just, they're better in, in WWE. It is what it is. So <laughs> the stuff with the way made me laugh a little bit. It, <laughs> it's super corny, but I just laugh at it with a kid. is just, uh, they're walking oh, so, backstage and Candace okay. wants to go, uh, talk to, uh, to Ember and, uh, and uh and Shotzi and then Indy finds Dexter and they get like she gets lost and she can't she can't find him and uh she just Indy's so excited about uh about Dexter all the time so the the stuff with them is, is funny and they they like find themselves again and um they they go to do the de- the team cheer but Candice won't even do it because she's so pissed off <laughs> it's just it's so stupid but it makes me chuckle and it's uh it's <laughs> it's entertaining at least. Yeah, look, I, I love it. Uh, look, they're all great. I, I look, uh, Austin Theory, you know, is the dumb guy. We know Indy's in love with with Loomis. Um, I, I, they're so entertaining. Uh, you know, look, Candace needs to be in the ring. So does Johnny G. If they're not going to be in, give me some 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 stories with them in it. And this is great. I don't know what it leads to. It looks like Bronson Reed probably is going to get another match uh, with Johnny G. But, hey, I, I, look, they're good at what they do. I love Candice. I love them all. I love the storyline. So, hey, I, I'm perfectly fine with this. Uh, Kushida with the the, the yeah. new, like, gear change look. up and the open title uh, challenge. And this is good. I mean, this is now we're really starting to see who Kushida is. Good match. And then afterwards, uh, Fant- uh, Legado de Fantasma interrupts, and so we'll probably be continuing on a little bit more with the Kushida uh, Santos Escobar. And I believe next week we're getting a six-man tag, which should be yeah. awesome. We'll be fast, fast and furious there, bro. Because we had a MSK come out to uh, to make the save there. So, um, man, th- this was a really good show. Coop, I mentioned Mercedes. Looks like she's trying to. Uh, head after uh, Raquel Gonzalez, and then at the very end we got the uh, Ever Rise versus Imperium. You know, it's just the one, the one I guess negative, or, or we got that before the Kyle O'Reilly Cameron Grimes, and then that match ended, and it was a that was a really really good match with O'Reilly getting the win there. So my only gripe is that I mean Imperium just feels so much less important when without Walter, but there's really yeah. nothing they could do with with oh. Walter because of travel stuff, and he's he's a guy that's like. Very um, like he doesn't take crap, or he and he he does what he wants to do. If he wants to be over here working some shows, he will be. If not, he's not. And so that's sort of the problem with uh with this group and when they have him around with and without Walter. No, bingo. You said it. I, I can't get into them without it. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just it's they're they're average. Uh, no offense. That's what they are to me. And it's ugh, you know I you know. Maybe they're elevated in matches. Maybe them and MSK put on one hell of a match. Um, I, I, I'm more into the grizzled young veterans than them without Walter. No, you 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 said it best, man. I it's they're hard to get into without him. 
We get to AEW Wednesday night And we kick things off with uh, Ricky Starks versus Hangman Page And on this show in particular um, And maybe this is something that both AEW and NXT will be able to do NXT felt much more like the old version of NXT this this week and yes. And just like less pressure to have to be so fast with everything AEW was really hammering home the rankings, the ratings, that yes. kind of stuff this week. And some weeks, they'll, some shows, they'll go weeks at a time and not really mention it all that much. But they were really making a point of it this week with these two guys saying that Ricky Starks had a 10 match win streak and that Hangman Page uh, is your current number one contender. So he gets the win via submission. Gino, yep. that Ricky Starks is amazing. Hangman, we know about him. This is what we want, okay? Exactly. But, but look, I'm, we're, you're going to get into these matches here in a second. And here's my complaint. There is still way too much outside sh- but yep. shenanigans going on in these matches that takes away, including another good main event from Darby Allen. You have Sting and Archer now that are buddy. I, just let people wrestle. We don't, look, we're I'll hold my concerns until each match. Yeah, because I th- I think one of the problems that that I think they have is they want to try to get too many people on the show too yeah. often. Yes. I mean, look at look at what they do with AEW Dark and Elevation oh. Dark. They've got fifteen, sometimes yeah. seventeen matches on yeah. those shows, like three or is four this, minutes long. What is this WrestleMania three? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Seriously, like I don't I mean who's gonna remember that? Any of those like you know, I so that that's major positives, right? Like hangman the first match that was amazing, good match, positive, and Taz was funny this show. Like Taz has been making me laugh a lot, just like the way he taught hey hangman, you know what? You won this match, but you'd suck, you know, like he'll say just like stupid, like I just look, it just seems like here's Hook. I don't even know the Hook story. I I, neither. Who is Hook? Look, and 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 then Cage comes in, and then then we're dark order. I just it seems like it's every match someone's getting involved. The match itself is so much more memorable than what happens after the match, and it drowns how how great of a match it was because Ricky Starks is a freaking star, man. He's a star. He's just amazing. Promos and look. I mean, just think about the young stars on this show. Him, Darby, Jungle Boy, MJF. Like, these are legitimate stars. Like, guys that you're going to be building companies around in a couple years that you're already building companies around right now. Um, I hope we get more and more opportunity for him to shine. And at some point, Hangman will have to address the fact that he is the number one contender because anytime that he's that they mention it to him or it's brought up to him, it's like he doesn't want to talk about the elite or any of those guys at all. So that's gonna be the big story eventually yeah. is you know like him having to face his old friends and you know now he at least has a a group to have his back. You know are they gonna try to sway him and turn him to be a bad guy again? You know that'll probably be the story that we tell. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and look, we, like I said last week, it looks like we're going to get a Labor Day type show. That, that's what it should be. It should July be then in, in Labor Day in in Las Vegas, and that's what it should be. I just look. They started off with a fantastic match, and I said this is great. And then look, I, I'm okay with Taz with the promo, but the outside interference stuff has to end. It's it just too much. seems like they're forcing everything in every match. Post match and it's just way too much to me. Yeah, way it's getting too it's, it's getting too much like WCW, you know, yes, like it, yes. in that 
NWO always interfering with matches. There's always a faction to come and interfere with matches. Um, we had a, uh, I mean, Pento is uh, Penta is awesome. Uh, Penta had a match with a uh, Trent. I love, I love that Justin Roberts <laughs> with announced, it mark. With, he announced it with the question mark, which really made me laugh there. Um, so, uh, you know, it does feel like they're they're building Penta up a little more, probably for uh, another uh, something with Cody. We'll see. Um, we got, uh, M- I mean, MJF cuts this amazing promo. Oh, that's just, brilliant. Just brilliant. amazing. Incredible. One of my highlights of the show. I loved brilliant. it. The only thing I don't like about it is that you're cu- he's cutting the promo and and like while he's cutting it like half of of Dawson's face is cut off like you know you just saw everybody else behind yeah. him and to the side of him and and I'm okay with that but he should have been more like out in front of all of them I it, it was just a small gripe but it's like I'm seeing half of this guy's face and it keeps bothering me like I keep no, looking at look. him no, you look. It, it was, and and one time it looked like he was laughing, but when yeah. the camera pulled back, I don't think he was. It was a bad direction. He should have been in front because the promo was incredible. The promo was, was promo. That's, that's one of his best ones, and it was. He's, he's done some great things. I just didn't. Then Wardlow was talking at the beginning. It just kind of felt like uh, here are six directors' chairs. We don't want to piss everybody off, so everybody kind of sit here in this order. Now he. he Look, the promo was fantastic. Yes. The direction of it was, and the execution of it was terrible. Terrible on on the other side of the camera. It was just, it was not good. It was not good. The women's division continues to improve, and you and I are going to really like what we saw at the end of this women's match. Um, yeah. But first, like, got to give it up to Sheeta. Sheeta is really good in the ring, and I think she's done a fine, like. I say fine, a serviceable job with the title that she's given. She just she's hit like a single. She hasn't hit a home run, you know? Like she doesn't go out there and have bad matches. She's just not really like a memorable champion to me. Um, this was a good match. Ty Conti, it just Ooh. gets improving and improving yeah. and improving. She's so much better than you might have seen her a year or two years ago. Um, and then what we love is at the end of the match, uh Sheeta wins. It did sort of feel for a few moments like like Conti was going to win. But, yeah, it did. Yeah, it uh, did. You know, I I thought she was going to, but Sheeta gets the win, and then we get Britt coming out, and she <laughs> looks up at the rankings, and she moves from the second spot to the first spot, and so we're finally feeling like we're going to get that Britt match, and it's got to be Britt to take the title off of Sheeta. There just is so much more they could do with Britt. I mean, yeah. even in my head, I'm thinking right away, Chelsea Green. Oh, you know I mean? like, look, we know that's probably going to happen, whether if Chelsea signs with them or not. You know, she's probably going to have a match with Deanna and Impact. She's probably going to go to ROH, you know. Um, yeah, you know, that. look, Britt is good at what she does. She has the look. She's not the greatest wrestler in the world, but she's getting better. She's the most over, and the belt needs to be on her. And she will look, she's been one of the best, you know, other than MGF's promos. She has been the it person in that company, man. She just has. So, yes, this has to be the build uh, for for her. I I think they have another pay per view coming up. I don't know if it's May or June or whatever it is. I know they have blood and guts or whatever it is, blood and gory uh, coming up uh, on May the 2nd. But look, she's got to be. I think that's May. Is it May 2nd or May 5th? 
May 5th. Okay, May, maybe May 5th. Because I think, maybe I think that's on TNT. And, and they announced it. I, I don't know if Tony that's made a match. mistake. One match. That sounded weird. Yeah, we all and, caught that. Like, so. One match, and it, and it looks like it's going to be the pinnacle and uh, the inner circle, I think. Yeah. Which I don't know. Maybe, I don't the know. match, the match will be uh, will be fine, but I'll be very curious to see how they present that uh, episode of TV. If it really is one long right. match that they have, and maybe right. just some build up stuff before and after. Finally, Chad, we've been feeling it for weeks. I think we're getting Rusev back because <laughs> this looked like the best version of Miro. He said another week he hasn't seen Kip, and he says anyone who has a championship, he's coming after him. He doesn't care. Uh, what he has to do, and he he mentions a few people, but um, that I, I like this. We got it. Maybe maybe one more week of him sort of building it up, and then unleash him. Yeah, look, and I think next week we have a Penelope Ford match, so you know we could see him ringside or get involved if Kip is there with Penelope in a singles match. Um, but look, the time is now. Uh, if we don't, if they don't do anything with him now. This is probably the worst of the worst, the worst signing. You know, I I built this guy. You know, this this guy is what buying movie. You know, he's renting out movie theaters. That was so cool. He can watch Mortal the roster. Yeah, it's like, what does he got to do to get noticed, right? I'm Miro. Damn it, Miro. I need to see Miro. Yeah, crush Darby. Crush people. Take the TNT title from Darby, and then we could build the Darby like. Story to get it back from him. That's you know, mm-hmm. and and have that be a long play. That's fine. Sure. Um, oh, but I think Miro needs to be uh, the TNT champ. And that could be a good world for him to live in. Kind of keep him away from the Omega stuff and all that. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, the inner circle it came out, and you know, I, I love Jericho. I love a lot of uh, a, a lot of what he does. This this didn't really hit all that much for me. Um, Wrong and missed, you know, didn't it? I, I yeah, it's, same, and I love it, Y2J. Me too. Like, I mean, and I'm laughing at almost everything he says all the time because he's really funny, but it felt sort of forced. He's like creating a song that the the, the straws thing with Jake yeah. Hager his just was flat. What do you how yeah. do you say it in Spanish? Sammy, it just felt flat. It I actually really like Santana. Flat. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Like Santana kind of felt like like a badass, you know, sure. like when he when he chimed in, but um, yeah, this one. Um, you're not going to hear me say a swing and a miss from Jericho all that much, but I thought this was kind of a swing and a miss. It just didn't really connect with me. Um, we got uh, QT Marshall. They continue to build up his little faction with uh, Anthony Agogo. He got a win over Billy Gunn. I just, it, I never realized. I think when we were watching WWF, young like back in the day, how freaking huge Billy Gunn is. You Isn't know? he almost like sixty years old? Yes, yeah, and he's like six foot six, and he's massive, and it's like. <laughs> He he looks so huge. I never thought of him as being yeah. like a big guy back in the day because he was always working with other really big guys too. But uh, yeah. man, yes. dude is massive. And I mean, I just I wonder because this is a company that is so so deep in in its talent. Like, do they need to be spending the time on QT Marshall right now? I don't know. You know, I like, look, I'm going to be the mean guy here. Him or Billy Gunn need to be on TV every week. Put right? them on, put, put them on a dark. You know, look, and then what happens after the match? We get people jumping over the rails. The the Gun Club. We get this. I, I don't know. I think. Look, I don't know how Bill, old Billy Gunn is. He was great in WWE. He was great. Yeah, I got two words for it. You know, you're not down with that. You know, he's not somebody we need on TV. No, we not anymore. Not I'm anymore. sorry. QT no. Marshall does absolutely nothing he, for me. He looks just, just like, like um 
like if you and I, and I was really thinking this, like if you're playing like cre- like video like WWE 2K or you know like yeah. any video game and you just do like generic create a wrestler, that's PT <laughs> Marshall. You know, he's just like average height, average speed, average look, average build. Like there's just like nothing at all that's like no. great about him, and he's not bad or anything. No. I just like I don't know if I need fifteen. Like 10 to 15 minutes every week on this show Dedicated to him No, no, and and either Billy Gunn Either, I know Billy Gunn hasn't been on TV A lot, so maybe they they threw him a bone He's always on the front row I've always told you, I do not like talent Sitting on the front row, whether it's Enhancement talent, roster talent I, I just don't like them on the front row having to mark out But they could have Look, that that was a waste of time Again, another match that, you know, ends with Outside interference, it was a negative for me we're finishing up here with Chad Cooper on this week in wrestling. Uh, we're uh, just about finished with AEW Dynamite and our recap. Um, the elite were hanging out in the trailer, <laughs> and um, so they they all are talking their trash. Uh, you know, Callis saying how there's the greatest group ever put together. Both the young bucks are just just chiming in the back, just going off. Um, and uh, and then Omega wants to get serious for a second, so he tries to to quiet everybody down. But as he's trying to get serious, it's just honk 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 <laughs> honk honk honk. And Kenny's like, "What the hell is that noise?" I I actually thought this was pretty funny. Like, and I thought the way that Kenny and them and they in were doing it was pretty funny. He's, like, "What the hell is that damn noise?" And they're they're Kenny. It, well, it's some stupid guy honking. Let, just don't worry about it, Kenny. You know, just you know, like let it. And he's, like, "I can't focus right now with this honking." You know, it was. I actually laughed a lot of that. I thought it was it was, yeah, it was funny. pretty funny. And then uh, you get Mox and uh, and Kingston driving a truck right into the side of their trailer, and uh, they get out. And they're looking all over for him, but they've uh, the the elite have already run out the opposite uh, side, and so you get a little like back and forth with uh, with Moxley and uh, and Kingston, which is fun. These guys are fun, so I, I didn't mind this segment. Um, it just sort of feels like I think with with Kenny, they're kind of in um in like a, a holding pattern right now, because I don't think they know what to do. I think they're. They're thinking, okay, Paige is going to be his like big feud. That's the one we want for him. But right now, it's not going to be really Moxley again. Like maybe we get a Kenny versus Kingston like one-off kind of a match, you know, right. um, for the title. But I think they're just trying to like get through this to get to Paige eventually. Um, but but these guys are fun, and like I, I like this, and 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 this is fine. Like the elite are entertaining. Uh, I thought the segment was funny, and uh, and Mox and Kingston will probably get like a tag team match with them against the Young Bucks coming up soon too. I'd imagine. Yeah, and it just we've got to get through this stupid match with Rich Swan with Omega, right? Coming up and, on what is it? Rebellion? So why are they not promoting this? And it's not being promoted on At AEW, all. but it is on Tuesday nights. That that is again from day one. This is it. it look, it, it's stupid. I'm not taking anything away from Rich Swan. I know they had this little press conference that they did that was I tried to watch some of it it was on YouTube and I think I mean, they showed Moro's some going to be calling that match too that's going to be I know big, yeah I, and it just there was zero mention of it last night it, I wonder if it's a TNT thing like them not it, wanting I it, 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 and it very well could be how could well you could not be. be promoting your main champion that's got a big match this weekend that has the opportunity to take another championship from another company 
Like, look, and if he does, I wouldn't be surprised. That's how that's how bad this has been. We know he's not going to lose to Rich Swan, but you know we're going to get involvement. Player, you know, I, I just the segment was fine. It kind of re- reminded me of a little Stone Coldish, which Mox always kind of does anyway. Yeah, which it does. I wanted to see the elite run off. I did too. We should have seen run- that. I agree. I'm like, uh, what happened Stampering to him? Like, oh, away. You know, yeah. but but they didn't. I was fine with the segment. It was just eh, it just with Kenny. I, I'll say it. I'll say it again. I, I think we need to see him wrestling more in the ring. I know he's the champion, and WWE do, doesn't do all that all the time because, hell, we haven't seen Lashley since WrestleMania. But, man, I, I don't know, man. I, I that's just, what he did. It, that's it's what different. he does, man. Yeah, the like cleaner. it's different with other guys who cut really good promos and who can do that, and that's like one of their strengths. Like, oh, when the Miz yeah. talks, you know, we want to hear the Miz cutting promos, you know, guys like that, you know. But with Kenny, like, I want to see him wrestling. That's where we all like fell in love with I Kenny mean, who, because he was the greatest wrestler in the world for that couple year stretch, doing everything I mean, in who, Japan. Who do, who do we who do we get after this weekend with the Rich Swan gimmick when when it when it's over? Who's next on that roster? Is it Christian Cage? Are we going to get some kind of a uh, because they can't go to Page yet? No, no, they have to they build can't. that. They have to they tell can't. that story. Like, don't rush that. So you got to put somebody in there. At maybe it's Kingston, you know, like maybe because they just had Moxley, like maybe he'll sure. say like I want my shot, and and they 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 have a month or two where he goes for it and loses, and but I don't know, it doesn't feel like there's anybody that's no. that's ready. And I don't like, like that. Me neither. Me neither. Um, uh, we finish uh, up with uh, Powerhouse Hobbs versus Christian Cage again, like a fine match, but I, I just thought Hobbs should have won, Gino. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing or where they're going with Christian. Like, is no. he going to have? He's having these competitive matches with guys. Like, put put the younger guy over. And if not, if you're going to build him, then he probably shouldn't be having a competitive match with these guys. No, right? that's like, why. That, yeah, that's why I think he's probably maybe the next guy. For Kenny, Omega. Ugh, I just something I don't, I don't just feel seems it. off with this. I don't Me feel too. Christian here yet. Me neither. I, I, I I've not connected with Christian here. It's like I. I I don't know who he is. This version of him, um, he kind of feels like kind of snarky, you know. Like, and that's kind of been how he is. But I, 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 I yeah, I, I need to see a lot more from Christian. We closed out with Darby uh, versus Jungle Boy for the TNT Championship, and like, I like all these guys. You know, like Jungle Boy's great, Darby's great. Uh, Darby gets the uh, the win, and then after the match. Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, you know, they're in the mix. Archer's in the mix. We've got Sting out there. We've got, it just feels like we can't have ever like a one-on-one match that ends, that moves. There's always got to be five or six other bells and whistles. And um, it's, I, I get wanting everyone to have a role. I get wanting everyone to be on the show a little bit, but it, it, you and I know everything. We know all of these guys and gals. We know all of their backstory. We know where they've come from before. And some weeks it's still a little convoluted to us. Could yeah. you imagine if you're like a, a random viewer just kind of flipping through and you're like, who the hell is this group? Why are there five more people out there now? Where did these three come from? You know, we thought that Archer and Sting, uh, you know, here we are with promos over the last several weeks with Jake and, you know, cutting down Sting and they're having face offs and. I, look, the mat. Look, was that two weeks in a row? Darby's the main event. That that we know he's a star. We just look. We've been begging for Jungle Boy to be on TV every week. 
you know, they finally do it and they have a good match. You know, the roll up pin, I'm okay with it. But then here, you know, we, we've got to end with all these, you know, everybody coming out and doing this and doing that and sting with the bat. I don't know. It just, it's not special anymore. No, I agree happens. with you. You know, I agree I with that. You. I, I'm, I'm, I'm down with, uh, you know, I have a downer with Christian. If he wants to sign with them, that's fine. Um, sting with the bat. It seems like I've st- seen Sting every week doing the same thing, and it's just not special. I'm not saying he doesn't need to be on TV every week. It just, I don't know the the, the special that that what I remember these guys with. And you nailed it perfect earlier in this uh, today. This seems really WCW, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it does, does man. Just just a little too much But again, I think like every wrestling show we watch Some positives, some negatives That's Absolutely. just the one thing Because like I don't like, sure. I like I hate when anyone watches any show And says it was all terrible Or it was all fantastic Absolutely. Yes. Because it's yeah, not it's, it, it, no. it's just disingenuous yeah. We're going to find positives, negatives, goods, bads Things that they could have and should have done differently On all shows um, and uh, And we do here Every single week on this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper You, you don't find honest analysis like this It doesn't matter what show it is Friday night Smackdown, Monday night Raw Tuesday night NXT now, Wednesday night AEW We're going to tell you, do we like it? If we don't, and we'll tell you why And, and maybe what they could have done differently too It's not just like, oh that sucks It's, hey we're wrestling fans. We can book this shit, right? Who booked this shit? Who can book this shit? <laughs> Not all the time, but every now and then we know uh, we know that maybe something could have been done a little bit better. So, uh, Chad, buddy, it's a yeah. blast talking with you each and every week. Give uh, give the folks your plugs. Where do we follow you out there on social media? Always my favorite time of the week, sir. It's at the Chad Cooper on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, hey, don't 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 be afraid. If you see us popping off about something and you don't like it, um, hey, tell us. Let us know. Uh, we, we, Let yeah, us know where you agree, where you disagree. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, you bet. Um, Hoop buddy, thank you so much. Look forward to chatting with you next week. We'll see what happens with uh, if we're gonna have uh, Kenny Omega, the belt collector. We'll see it, man. We'll see what happens. That's Chad Cooper there on this week in wrestling. Don't go anywhere, folks. We still got plenty more on that's what G said. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. A big thank you to Chad Cooper for helping us out with uh, with uh, this week in wrestling. Thank you to Eric for talking NBA with us. Thank you to Alex for talking Lakers with us. Hope you all enjoyed uh, our run through all those racetracks Friday and Saturday. And next week, we will have full action-packed Kentucky Oaks Day preview shows for you, Kentucky Derby preview day show for you with all sorts of guests. So you will get every single race covered on Friday and on Saturday from Churchill Downs right here on That's What G Said. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, share it around with your friends. Let them know that the best information you get anywhere is right here every week on That's What G Said.